Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast where relevancy is irrelevant and we don't give a shit about your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it is a both honor and pleasure to welcome my next guest to the podcast. He is a patriot of the highest magnitude, serving 13 years in the U.S. Navy, 11 of which as a Navy SEAL. He has two deployments to Iraq with SEAL Team 4 and four deployments to Afghanistan with Dev Group. He's been awarded the Silver Star as well as the Purple Heart. He is the author of No Ordinary Dog, My Partner from the SEAL Teams to the Bin Laden Raid. He taught Chris Pratt how to handle a velociraptor, (laughs) and he is the man who handled Cairo, the war dog, on the famous SEAL Team 6 Bin Laden Raid. Ladies and gentlemen, Please welcome to the stage, Will Cheese Chesney. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I uh, I love the fact that you're in Texas. You're from Texas, which we'll get into. Um, but I appreciate you taking the time to <clears throat> both come all the way up here and, and share your story. I know it's been a pretty storied one. You've got uh, a ton of good shit to talk about that we'll get into. Uh, but I really can't thank you enough for coming on and, and talking about the book and, and everything you have going on. So I appreciate it. I thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I would like to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, uh, Jocko Fuel, as well as Origin Labs, uh, which is located here on the desk. You can see some of the wonderful products that they have. Uh, I can't thank these guys enough, uh, Origin Labs, Jocko Fuel, for supporting the podcast as long as they have, uh, as often as they do. So uh, shout out to them. Uh, check out Jocko Fuel on Instagram. Lots of good, good products, uh, especially right now with all the coronavirus stuff going on. Uh, they've got... Uh, some immuno support uh, products um, just th- that are phenomenal, frankly. So uh, big shout out to Jocko Fuel Origin Labs. Thank you for the support, fellas. As well as thanking the sponsor, I want to take a quick second to say for all of you people that are listening, uh, do me a favor. This helps me out. If, you, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to my channel. If you're listening, take fucking 30 seconds and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Uh, those Those two things... Uh, help with the ability of me to be able to bring this to you. So uh, please go do that. Uh, it it uh, Again, it just helps me out a lot, and I appreciate the fucking support. Thanks, and go choke yourself. What is your favorite dog treat, Will? Hmm. For dog treats? Yeah. Oh, my, my male that I have now currently, he doesn't actually like dog treats. Is that right? 
He's so picky. He uh, what, even human food. Which one do you weird. like? Do you, do you eat any? Have you eaten any? Mm-hmm. I like all of them. <laughs> In fact, knuckle dragger. Eat any of them? What? So uh, I'm all. It's all ball drive. Yeah. As far as streets go. Is that right? Yeah. That's what she said, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> What's your most embarrassing Cairo story? Is there is there a time where he uh, like just no shit embarrassed the hell out of you? Is that where we're starting? That's where we're starting. Oh man. We're, we're taking well, it off the top think, rope. Let me think. Let me think. Embarrassing. Like, did he ever bust ass in a in a fucking armored personnel carrier or something? That I mean, all the time shit himself. Yeah, the, the, one of the biggest pranks was. Well, let me think, man. One of the funniest stories I think I can remember. Not, I guess it was embarrassing. I guess a funny one was. Uh, I took him out for a break one night. It was late. I think we we're in Portland, so it was homeless people around. <laughs> <laughs> I remember putting him in a, into a bush. He liked to poop in the bushes. I'm sure a lot of the canines do. Yeah. And uh, as he was in there taking a shit, I hear this homeless guy scream, Oh, no! <laughs> he shit all over him? Oh, I don't know. We, we got out of there before, you know, Cairo, like, oh, lunged at him great. or something. God, Embarrassing awesome. moments. I'll, let me, uh, I'm sure I can think of something yeah. funny. We'll circle back. We'll circle yeah, back. I mean, that, that's fucking priceless. Yeah, shit, that was a good one, though. That was maybe not embarrassing, yeah. but that was pretty funny. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, is there a time that you can recall where where he scared you the most? Um, and and I don't mean from like oh shit, where's the dog? Where you thought you lost him? More like like he pulled your card like early on in handling him. Was there ever a time where you were, you were actually like scared of him? There was. He was. Uh, there was no time where I thought he would actually like come back up at me. He was a real calm, real chill. Balanced, yeah, he was real balanced. Because I mean, there's and, there's a lot of dogs there that, that that is the case. A lot of dogs. Yeah, he he was not that way at all. He was not that way. That's why people ask me like, what separates him from a lot of the dogs is I mean, all the dogs we have are great working dogs, right? Yeah. That's why they go through the selection process. <clears throat> Just like you said, not all those all, all the dogs have that switch to turn it on when they put the vest on. He could turn it off. Yeah. He could take it home. We could take him around women, children. Even after I got him retired, he got attacked by a bulldog. And flayed his arm open a little bit. He didn't retaliate at all. No shit. Yeah, he was really calm, cool, collected. Yeah, that's wild. Um, did he? So it sounds like he never bit you. Did he ever bite the wrong person? Never. 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 No shit. Do you do you recall how many uh, live bites he had? I don't. Was it, I mean dozens? A handful. It wasn't a crazy amount. We yeah. did a lot of operations together. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the at the, at the commanders, his dogs are. There's so busy. many stories. There's, yeah. Oh my goodness, that's why I became a dog handler. Yeah. You know, just seeing what they can do. Yeah. Not even, yeah. No, that's phenomenal. The uh, All right. So one thing before we get in, I don't, I don't want to get too deep into too many dog stories before yep. we cover some of the backstory prior to getting him and all that. All that. Uh, I do like to ask everybody, what is your morning routine? Uh, every morning when I wake up, I at least try to take a minute, make my coffee, you know, hop in the shower or something. I try to find some personal time, at least take an hour to, you know, try to breathe, meditate, pray stretch it's take an hour to kind of do that or read you yeah. know anything like that uh and if i'm feeling good you know i'm still working through some issues here and there try to get a good workout in are you talking um, physically physically yeah, just, yeah you know yeah we all have our stuff yeah yeah you know the deal oh yeah feels like uh, a fucking seized up seized up engine most mornings when you get out of bed right? i'm 35 i'm in 36 now i'm in my prime yeah right that's right. you know so i you know at least stretch i yeah. like to get out there and stretch and breathe and do you eat uh eat anything or you typically don't eat that first couple hours you're awake i like to try to intermittent fast <clears throat> that's pretty much every morning 
for the most part. You know, I think you need to switch it up after a while. And I've been on this program for quite a bit. Um, I think it was very beneficial. I think when I first started intermittent fasting, I lost, I want to say around 70 pounds. 70? Wow. Yeah. Holy fuck. Holy really? Fuck. I was in a bad place. Jesus Christ. What were you, what were you weighing when you started? Like fucking 240? You know, it's just, uh, 250? towards the end, I'd say when I was at my worst, I was about 250. No shit. I was not doing so good. My hair had fallen out twice, you know, like huge, huge chunks. Yeah. Uh, I mean, alopecia. I, I, yeah, I mean, my, my shit's fallen up, has, has been falling out for a while. But, yeah, uh, and the receding hairline, too. Yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, uh, I, I would like to talk about that for a second. What the, you at, at that weight, I guess, mm-hmm. I mean, was, was any of it from working, like trying to bulk up, or was it all just because you you were just in a bad spot and, and not taking care of yourself? Bad spot, not taking care of myself. Oh, shit. 250 yeah. a lot fucking of, pounds. A lot of drinking. Oh, okay. Self-medicating. Yeah. Was that uh, relatively soon after you got out, or yeah, yeah? First couple of years, transition's always hard. Yeah, no, we'll for sure. Get yep. into that. Um, back to the morning routine, real quick. Is mm-hmm. is there a an element of working out beyond the stretching, the the mobility stuff, uh, or do you save that for later in the day? Or yeah, I feel if I get up and do a little bit of stretching, and if I'm feeling good, then I'll start lifting or running or swimming something. Yeah, yeah. Right on. All right. So uh, childhood. I know you're from uh, south of here. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, just kind of where you're from, what what it was like. You're five, six years younger than I am. Um, growing up in, in, what is it, southeast Texas, I guess. Talk uh, talk to us a little bit about what that was like. Yeah, like you said, I grew up in southeast Texas. Uh, pretty That's, normal childhood. What what area was that? Around Lumberton. Lumberton. What uh, so what what's kind of the industry and the you know what what goes on in there that uh, that makes it a town, I guess. Oh, they call it the Golden Triangle. There's yeah. there's all kinds of power plants and stuff around that area. But I got out of there pretty quick after high school. I yeah. actually joined when I was 17. Had my parent my parents sign sign the waiver. Yeah. So in in terms of uh, just growing up in general, did you have any siblings? It was just me. Only just you. Yeah. Oh, shit. How was the uh, the relationship with your folks growing up? Would you say it was a good relationship? Uh, tumultuous? What uh, what was that like? It was good. I had a, I can't complain. My my grandparents were great. My mom and dad, I can't complain. Dad was a hard worker. Um, normal Texas childhood growing up. I lived in a trailer park in Southeast Texas. And, yeah. Did you know, you... I, I wasn't big into school. I'm more of a hands-on kind of guy. So I, after graduating, I wasn't going to go to college. So Yeah. Did you uh, play any sports growing up? Football. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> of course so, you yeah. played football. Of course, yeah. Time, Southeast right? Texas played what, football. Uh, what position? Yeah, defense. A lot of defense. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, in, in terms of school you know you you weren't really into school you played some sports was there anything during your your childhood as it relates to school that stands out as being super memorable or impactful on your life i mean i can remember sitting in the library at my school watching the twin towers fall no shit well, so what grade you were what in like uh, senior was 2000 yeah what uh, mm-hmm. so tell me tell me the the impact that, that had on you I mean, was I, mean I still remember it. There's a lot of stuff I forget with all my, you know, there's a lot of things I forget these days. And that was very, I'll never forget that moment, you know. Was that for uh, a lot of people? A lot of people feel the same way. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I know I've, I've shared this uh, a few times, but since, since you and I haven't talked about it, um, I was in a, in a platoon at SEAL Team 3 when it happened, you know, which, which was 
a crazy spot to be in, as you can imagine. Yeah. It goes from from being basically peacetime, uh, you know, to the exact opposite, you know, in a in an instant. You know, it was uh, it was it was a wild time to be to be there for sure. But uh, but it was a neat time to be there. You know, there was a not that we didn't have a sense of purpose prior to that. I mean, right. of course we did. Uh, and we had done a couple of uh, you know we'd responded to the USS Cole and. Uh, done some boardings and things like that, uh, but certainly nothing, any anything that you'd really consider combat, even though it's real world stuff. Um, and then now all of a sudden it's like, all right, the fucking the game just changed. It's it's about to get fucking real, you know. So it was it was a wild time to be in it. But I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Was uh was that that point in your high school life? Is is that kind of the defining moment on making you want to join, or had you decided prior to that? I decided prior. Was was there an element of you knew you wanted to be a seal before then yes i like the water i I wanted to serve i wanted to join the military i wanted to challenge myself i heard seal training was pretty tough and uh growing up in this trailer park in southeast texas i don't think a lot of people believed in me like i'm gonna go be a seal i'm like sure you are kid (laughs) (laughs) like all right here we go let's go do this and uh yeah, yeah, like well, it's the recruiter right there. Your biggest fan and biggest skeptic all at the same time. Right. Um, was there any any influence in terms of like watching a, a specific movie or reading a book or like was there like a a pinpointed influence that made you decide SEAL teams is is what I want to do or was it just kind of a collective interest in all the things that you just mentioned? Yeah, I like the water. So Navy and then SEAL, just everything I've heard about SEAL Just all training. lined up. It wasn't like, because I, mean, like I, I wrote, or mm-hmm. wrote, I, I read uh, Rogue Warrior. Like that Definitely. Was, yeah. I read all the books. Yeah. I definitely read, uh, yeah, all of yeah. them. I'm sure you read Did the you same. watch Navy SEALs? Of course. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you all wanted of to be above. Charlie Sheen? <laughs> of course. Who doesn't yeah. want to jump off that bridge? Yeah, yeah no shit. <laughs> or jump off the view. Yeah. The Jeep. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no shit. Uh, all right. So you get, uh, you watch the Twin Towers fall as a senior in high school. Um, that it sounds like that maybe solidified uh, your desire to join, or, or you know, further solidified it. I guess you graduate high school. Were you not eighteen when you graduated? I was. Okay, <clears throat> I just signed up beforehand. You did like the delayed to... entry thing. I or... did. Mm-hmm. And then, so did you ship out to boot camp right after graduation, or I spent a couple months working with my father. Yeah, wanted to spend wanted to spend a little a couple of months with him. Yeah, it was also a job. He worked for a tower construction company. One of my biggest fears is heights. Oh, shit. Yeah, not a big heights guy. Yeah. Uh, so I figured, you know, I'm going to be, you want to be a SEAL, don't like heights. Number one, I get to work with my father. Number two, let's see, if, you know, if you'll get your ass up that tower. Yeah. <laughs> How, was that uh, a huge challenge or did you get over oh, it yeah. fairly quick? No, it wasn't. The whole time, it was uh, Are not, you, the, not yeah. the best job in the world. So I guess fast forward then mm-hmm. jumping out of planes, is that something that's still kind of different you're yeah. that high in the air you know the deal it's yeah. not the same you trust your equipment and my father had told me that because i worked obviously with my father and that yeah. was his message from day one he'd take me up in the tower it's just different looking at the ground from 100 feet 200 feet if you're not clipped in yeah there's no reserve yeah you're gonna hook you know the piece of advice is try to hook your arm around the tower if you're not clipped off so i tried to stay clipped off as much as possible <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. yeah but uh skydiving just trust your equipment man. yeah so you didn't get that same feeling uh, doing that. What about like no, fast rope and rappel? Like, fast rope and rappel, rappelling, I didn't mind for some reason. It, it was yeah. that's so much fun. I yeah. think skydiving, I didn't push my luck. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming then you're not mm-hmm. one of those guys that goes and does nine jumps on the weekend just for shits and giggles. No, like you, I you, wanted to be proficient, but like I said, I yeah, wasn't a big yeah, jumper. Yeah. I like the wind tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a trip. Do you ever take a dog in a wind tunnel? Never. Never. Have you? I haven't, no. I, I guess I'm just curious if you guys ever did in, in preparing them, if, if that was ever part of the process. I've never seen it. Yeah. That's a good it's interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, all right, so... You join the Navy, uh, go through boot camp. At that time, I'm assuming there still wasn't the whole Force 21 SO as a rating type of thing, right? So right. Did, what did you do as a uh, as an A school? Machinist mate. Machinist mate. Where was that at? Same place as boot camp. Okay. So, so you, you go to boot camp, go to machinist mate right there in Great Lakes, and then you, you go from there straight to Bud's? Straight to Bud's. Uh, got sent out a little bit early. I got to go to San Clemente with the prior class to help out. Was so that, that was a blessing in disguise or was it was. that a kick in the nuts? What an experience. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get your nuts kicked in you anyways. Yeah. It was a, it was a very cool thing to experience. Totally worth the uh, yeah. little extra punishment. Yeah. <laughs> what was, uh, so what class did, uh, was that that was, or I guess what class were you in originally? 246. 246. Okay. So. Um, two forty six. I'm wondering uh, if we ever cross paths, maybe as a, as an SQT instructor. We we may have. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, what class were you? I was in two fifteen, uh, but I, I came back as an instructor uh, in the in the mid two forties. But I got valley fever when I was there, so I was kind of in and out. Uh, I didn't spend a whole lot of time at SQT. I mean, I was there for like a year and a half, uh, but most of that time I was on convalescent leave. So. I was the proctor for, uh, I believe it was 244 or 245, and then got sick not long after that. So may have seen you, you know, as a, as a student there, but, but probably didn't actually do anything or, or we would have remembered each other, I'm sure. But Yeah, even if you did meet me, I'm pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a pretty quiet guy. A bit, so of, bit it, of a gray man. A bit of a gray man. I might yeah. not have stood out too much. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you go through 246. Anything uh, in buds worth mentioning? Like, did you get hurt? <laughs> did you get uh, rolled or anything like that? Never. Oh, no, yeah. I made it. I was fortunate. Yeah. Straight That's through. Good shit. Yeah. But of course, there's always good stuff to mention in buds. Yeah. What, uh, <laughs> what's, what, I guess when, if somebody says, tell me something about buds, what's the first thing that, uh, or what's, what's the biggest thing that kind of pops out? The biggest thing is graduation. First thing that comes to mind. I mean, what a day. Yeah. Yep. Um, other than that, there's all kinds of funny stories. Yeah. Can you can you pick one funny story from Buds? Oh, man. So we're out at... Let me think. Pretty funny. It was a second sleep of Hell Week. You know, you're pretty tired by then. You know, they on breakout, they wake you up. <clears throat> screaming, shouting, adrenaline's going. You know, still gets guys to quit. But your adrenaline's going. Remember, maybe it was the first or second sleep. They woke us up nice and quiet. I don't know if they did this for you guys. Yeah. It was a good one. And then they made us all go stand on the berm and uh, say goodbye to the sun. I'm like, oh, man, this is this is a good one. This is terrible. And then they're all nice, dry, warm, comfy. And they're just staring at that water, not nice cold water. And then once, like, you know, walk out into the surf. As soon as the instructor said, take seats. That was, I think, the only time in the whole entire Buds class nobody listened. Was like, <laughs> nobody sat down, and he got he got pretty mad. <laughs> fucking disorder. Dis, uh, that's fucking crazy. Uh, so, yeah, nobody. Yeah, I remember that was a good one. That was a really good one. So, I mean, did, so did nobody sit down ever? Like We just, like, paused for a second, and yeah. I remember the instructors were like, you better sit down. Yeah. 
yeah, not that they weren't going to beat us anyways, but yeah. it was just like one of those moments where, oh, man. Do you remember how many people uh, how many people started Hell Week versus finished in your class? Oh, man. Maybe like ballpark. I said, my memory is really bad. I'm pretty sure it covers it clearly in the book. But, yeah. I mean, NDOC, our NDOC was pretty hard. We were a summer class. Yeah. You know, guys might give us some shit over being a summer class, yeah. not a winter class, but... but I, I mean, here's my take with that is that either way you're getting fucked right is if you go yeah. through hell week in the summer you're you're at the island in the winter time you know on the transverse you know if you yeah. if you're a winter hell week then you're going to be at the island in the summer so you know to me they, they both suck you know i mean mm-hmm. buds is hard irrespective and you're you're generally going to be there long enough i mean shy of a class classing up in march and making it straight through and graduating in fucking october uh, which you know, I don't even know if it if it, it would even line up that way with with the way the schedules go. But uh, you know, I mean, that's my take on it. I went through a summer hell week, but we were you know I got rolled one class, and I you know we were in in San Clemente Island from you know the mid mid January to the end of February. You know, we got stuck out there an extra fucking week. So you know, I mean, it, it sucks either way. But uh, mm-hmm. I think they made up for it. Yeah. Definitely. There's other ways to make up for it. You know? oh, yeah. I mean, the water's still cold. Yeah. In, uh, oh, yeah. Just... I mean, you can sit in 85-degree water and, and get hypothermic at some point, you know. Yeah. So, But I think they, uh, they hammered us pretty hard in our end dock, yeah. and we lost a handful of guys. So, yeah. you know, a couple hundred, and we graduated with 22 originals and yeah. however many rollbacks. Yeah, right on. A handful of rollbacks, yeah. All right, so you graduate, buds, and then uh, your first duty station is Team 4, correct? Still Team 4. Did you go through uh, Benning Jump School? I uh, did. Yeah, so they're still yeah. doing that. Um, so you go through Fort Benning Jump School. Uh, I'm assuming you went to SQT out out here with with everybody else. Uh, I guess we already talked about that, but uh, I did. so you go through that. You went you went to Fort Benning first, go to SQT second, and then from there go to SEAL Team Four. Is that is that correct? Yeah, we had the pipeline of. Well, I think it was wasn't it SQT first and a did you, jump school. Oh, so you didn't go to jump school to, first? It's hard for me to remember sometimes. Yeah. And like I said, my memory doesn't. Yeah, I know I know. like when I went through, we did, uh, we actually, we went to Fort Benning first and then came back and went through through SQT, which was actually kind of neat, you know, because we went out there basically as a class, uh, right from Bud's, you know, traveled as a class mm-hmm. all the way to fucking Fort Benning and went through there. So it was a, it was a pretty bonded group whereas you know i think doing it the on the transverse it would be uh you know maybe not quite as tight knit or you'd be a little bit more scattered maybe i don't know but but uh but it, yeah, it was good either way um so you you get through jump school get through mm-hmm. sqt uh did you get your trident at the end of sqt or were they not doing that yet they were doing that got my trident gave it right back up when i showed up to my team did they take it from you or did you give it up no, you I mean either way you're giving it up. You know, either, <laughs> I don't remember the exact words that happened, but yeah. yeah, it's like, hey, give me that shit. We'll let you know when you can wear it. That's right. I, yeah, I, I mean, to me that that makes sense. I of know, course. I know when uh, when I went through, it was it wasn't even an option. You know, you had to spend six six eight months fucking proving your proving yourself and passing chiefs boards and all that before they would give it to you. But uh, what was your time at SEAL Team Four like? It was great. I mean, great group of guys. It was exactly the job I wanted to be doing. I can't complain. Can you talk about, uh, so you did two deployments to Iraq at Team 4, right? So were you there, what, four or five years? Yeah, three. I think we had a pretty quick turnaround. Oh, no shit. Three or four years. Yeah. So I did my two deployments. And and that would have been, I mean, pretty much at the height, what, 06, 07? Is that when you were in Iraq? My or? first deployment was a little slow. It was some PSD. Yeah. Second deployment was much better. I 
Yeah, very good deployment. Yeah, what well, yeah. can can you share any stories uh, from from that deployment that uh, that were notable? I got to do some sniper missions that were good on that deployment. Uh, that was mostly my job. I, did you go kick, through sniper school prior to that, like the NSW uh, sniper? I was, uh, yeah, man, like I said, I loved the job, and I, I, I dove in head first, and I was fortunate, actually, went to showing up as a new guy. They made me go to comm school. Obviously, nobody chooses comm school, and then, uh, yeah. well, I mean, some guys do. So I went, of course, as a new guy, I was happy to be there. Yeah. Learned a lot of great stuff. Ended up coming out of there. I was, uh, I really wanted to go to sniper school. Um, they had me slated for breacher. I was very, very persistent about, I kept asking, like, I really want to go to sniper. I felt like I was a pretty good shot. And, uh, I felt, you know, that's my calling. And I was eventually, I got him to, to switch it up, send me to sniper school. And I, then I also got JTAC. So I had those three schools, which ended up being just perfect. Yeah. So beneficial. Yeah. Having all that knowledge. And I didn't realize that as a new guy coming in, but I was just diving in head first, going yeah. into every school. And, then, and for, for those uh, civilian assholes, as we like mm-hmm. to call you guys, which is a term of endearment, I did, I did see a comment where somebody here just recently was bitching about me calling you guys civilian assholes. Uh, again, in, in the military, it's way more of a term in, of endearment. Uh, something to the effect of, uh, you know, it's these civilian assholes that pay you military assholes to uh you know your your salaries and it's our tax dollars and blah 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 like fucking lighten up francis uh anyway uh jtac he just mentioned for those of you listening it's a joint tactical uh air air control so the the gist of it is with his comm school and sniper and jtac all all kind of combined uh you know it's the ability to use radios to call in close air support uh primarily you know with aircraft or uh, or helicopters or whatever. So if you get into a shit sandwich, uh, it's the ability to use those radios and call uh, call on close air support to come uh, help bail your ass out. So for those of you listening, that's what that is. Uh, at any rate, so you go through those three schools. The second deployment to Iraq uh, was SEAL Team Four. Can you share some of the uh, some of the operations that uh, that you did do? Kind of walk us through any of them that uh, that you can share. I just think the op tempo was much higher. Did I don't know how many exact ops. I wish I would have <clears throat> written everything down. Yeah. It's one of the things I regret these days, of course, looking back, I was young and didn't yeah. write things down. So, but, um, is there any sniper missions that, uh, that you can share? Like, uh, like kind of walking through the actual, the actual mission itself. Yeah. There's one that it covers in the book. It's a really good one. And, uh, another one would be, I guess the first sniper mission just a bad guy running across the street. I got lucky. I was on sniper watch and looking for a couple guys. Bad guy runs across the street with an AK and ended up getting hitting them. What? Uh, so, if you could like uh, backing up a little mm-hmm. bit. So, for for those you know kind of people listening that maybe never served in the military or um, or just you know weren't on a deployment like this, what's kind of a typical setup in terms of when you uh, you're, you're going in, you're providing a sniper overwatch. If you, if you could kind of explain it almost like you're, you're talking to, uh, you know, one of your kids sharing a story almost. So my role would be just to find my way to the roof as quick as possible and provide, get to the best vantage point and provide cover for my guys. 
And were the were the guys down below patrolling at that point, or what? Uh, what kind of what was going on, generally speaking? We were taking vehicles in and short patrols and get to the roof as quick as possible, provide cover for the Humvees and the guys inside and other rooftops, and getting people back inside, the lookers back inside if you could. Yeah. Yeah. And so, was this daytime, nighttime? It's all nighttime. All nighttime. What was the, uh, I know the op- operational tempo was high, but uh, in terms of kind of the, the area of operations, what was that like at, at the time you were there and, and where you were at, um, you know, in terms of kind of what, what the overall big picture mission of what you guys were trying to accomplish there? I mean, the overall big picture. Well, so like, you know, you go, you go in for say, uh, you know, a concept of operations or, Hey, you know, here, here's the mission briefing. Like you're, you're looking for bomb makers, bomb makers. or is that, was that primarily what a lot of, I mean, just depends. Yeah. Like I said, that was op tempo was pretty steady. You never know what you're going to get. And can it you, all, it all varied. Can you share what area you were in? It's in Baghdad. Okay. Yeah. Uh, going out most nights, I'm assuming. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was great. Hear that minigun going off quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, it was busy. Solder City yeah. was a pretty busy time. Was this like 06, 07? It would be 06, 07. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I know there was, uh, you know, a lot of other uh, a lot of other operations and super busy time going in the, in the triangle, you know, the Fallujah, Ramadi uh, type of area. Did you spend any time there or was most of the time was in Baghdad? Most of the time was in Baghdad. Were there any uh, like high value uh, deck of cards uh, folks that you guys either captured, killed, uh, whatever? There was it lower level guys, or what? What was kind of the the general gist of the guys you were going after, other than just the bomb maker aspect? I mean, I'm sure there were. Nothing comes to the top of my mind right now. I yeah. was just, you know, I was young, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. I was just having fun with the guys, and you know, the target list was the target list. Yeah, whoever we're going after. I let the head shed decide and the intel people decide who it was bad. And, you know, we paid attention, of course, but it was just another operation. Just another name on the list. And it's so long ago with my memory kind of lost. It's um, like I said, I wish I would have written more things down so I could remember things like this, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Any any of the guys that you're with uh, on that deployment that you still keep in touch with? Yeah. It was like one of my best friends, uh, Jason Higgins. I still, he was my roommate and buds. I still talk to him quite a bit. In, in terms of, uh, and he was in the platoon there with you? He was. He was actually, they made him be my roommate quite a bit. I mean, we just <laughs> were really good friends. So. Was uh, was he a sniper also? He was breacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you know uh, about how many sniper ops you went on uh, on that deployment? I mean, ballpark? Man. Good question. Dozens? Hey, man, you should have written some stuff right off. <laughs> yeah, dozens. Dozens. Yeah. yeah. Same, same number of actual KIAs? Uh, or, or No. Yeah, just you know, a handful. Just, just a couple. Yeah, nothing crazy. I, I am curious. I mean, as a as a guy that age, uh, I know you said mm. you know I was young, just enjoying enjoying my time with the guys and and uh, you know having having a blast and doing my thing or whatever. But did, did that have any any mental impact on you being a sniper and and taking people's lives? I know it's a very common question that uh, a lot of the listeners ask of of either me or or any of the guests is you know what that feeling is like or what impact that has. Is that something that you rationalized then or was it, was it pretty much you're just kind of running on autopilot uh, and doing what you did? Um, it didn't bother me at the time. We were there to do a job. Somebody has to do that job. Right? Yeah. You're there with the right group of guys. You know everybody around you. 
you have the right intentions, right? We're all there for the right reasons. And in order to do that job, you have to take life. Yeah. Sometimes I don't, I look back on it and I don't enjoy the fact that I did at all, but somebody had to do it. Right. Yeah. I don't regret, I guess per se, but it's not something I enjoy. No, I think that's a, I think that's a, both a good point and a great way to look at it. I know, you know, for me, similarly, I think, you know, guys in our position get asked uh, or people wonder about that a lot. And I know for me, very similarly, like it wasn't something that I reveled in, but it wasn't something that bothered me either. And it's it's certainly not something that I've thought about, I mean, almost at all, uh, good or bad. You know, to me, I guess very similarly, I just rationalize it like I volunteered to, to go do a job and this is what we were there to do. And, and this is what we did with the best of our ability. And we, and we came home accordingly and that was mm-hmm. it. Uh, I mean, but, I, I really wanted to do my job. I wanted to operate, yeah. obviously. Yeah. I wanted to go get rid of people that were hurting innocent people. Yeah. You know, but, uh, yeah. No, I'm tracking. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that perspective a lot. I think, I think it's a healthy one. Um, in terms of, of some of the other missions uh, while you were there, uh, is that primarily what you did, is, or is there anything else uh, that you can talk about that you guys did while you were there? Silzine 4? Yeah. Was, um, I said a couple dozen sniper missions and if I wasn't helping with the assaulting which I don't think I did too too often I was driving helping yeah. drive filling in wherever they needed me yeah standard yeah. six month deployment yeah yeah um, alright so as that wraps up uh, walk us through kind of what, what happened as that deployment closed out and, and you come home and end up going to uh, to dev group I mean towards the end of that deployment the thing that sticks out is we lost uh, Clark Schwedler Oh, no shit. Yeah. It was actually on my father's birthday. So calling home, you know, they turned the phones off. I was like, oh, man, the phones aren't working. Didn't know it was Clarky. So that's what sticks out coming back. Can you, were you on the operation? No, I can't. No. That's just what comes to mind coming back from that. Yeah. That hit me pretty hard or hit everybody. Did you know him pretty well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, do you know what the circumstances uh, are from that? I'd, um, in terms of uh, what you know, the actions on of of how how he uh, lost his life. Not enough to speak on. Yeah. I know what happened, but um, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess for for what you can share, do you know? Can you can you share that? He ended up going into the house, uh, taking a bullet in the neck, and he died instantly. Yeah. We. Uh, that's we a, that's sorry to interrupt. Mike Day was yeah. also there. I yeah. Yeah, no, well, you had him on. Yeah, yeah, he he shared uh, a fair bit of it. I I wasn't sure if uh, if maybe you had any other, uh, I guess not information, but just any more details of the story. I know, you know, with with every story, there's you know, depending on where where you were at when it happened, it can be you know quite a bit different and what have you. But but uh, yeah, I can't speak on the story, but Clark was an amazing guy. Yeah. Yeah, it sounded like it. I know um, when Mike talked about it, he said uh, you know he he came back. Uh, and you know when he found him, he he still had a smile on his face. Yes. You know? So it's pretty, yeah. uh, pretty amazing. That's that's uh, that pretty much sums him up. Yeah, he's a great yeah. guy. You know? Just yeah, it's, it's good a, sense of humor. Yeah, no, it's a travesty, no doubt. It's a travesty. Um, all right, so I guess I am curious uh, with you knowing him well. Was there was there anybody else that was either you know severely wounded or taken out of the fight in terms of being wounded or killed? Uh, while you were at SEAL Team 4 that had an impact on you? Some guys got wounded. Nothing that, Nothing that uh, I can remember, really. Yeah. You know, that was the one that really, I mean, we lost Clarky, so. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. We'll go ahead. 
We did have guys get wounded. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, uh, how, how big of an impact did that have on you moving forward or, or did it? It did what happened? Uh, losing Clark. Losing Clark. It was a big impact on me. I didn't take it so well at first. What but it uh, didn't stop me from moving forward and doing my job. Did that influence your decision to, to go to dev group or to stay in or, or, I mean, did that have a bearing on it at all or? No, I would say it just kind of hit home on how risky the job is. Yeah. Were you able to, uh, be present at his funeral? Um, not his funeral. No, I didn't yeah. make it. that's one thing that I know, I know for me and, and I know, I think for, I can speak for most of us and it's one thing that. Unlike, say, the, the movie Navy Seals, um, most times, I would say, or oftentimes, when guys are lost, a lot of guys don't get the opportunity to go to their funerals because of what we're doing, you know, and that's something that uh, that's fucking, you know, it, it's like a double whammy in terms of it being tough. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah often thinks about the old boring Sarah and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over 100 casino-style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. We all know we understand. Yeah. If we're working, the boys are working. Yeah. But I think... But it does... I think a lot of people... uh, either don't realize that or, right. or, you know, you know, have the misconception that, you know, when somebody dies, everybody gets to, to go to his funeral and, and it's really quite the opposite. Uh, if that's the case, <clears throat> yeah. then of course, but yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's, it's not, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I can for sure say I've missed more than I've been to, you know, I would um, say that as well. I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, you come back from seal team fours, uh, second deployment for you. Uh, what what walk us through kind of the next uh, phase of of uh, your career in that regard? I got back from SEAL Team Four second deployment, screened. I uh, got picked up. I made it through that process and then made it to my squadron. And so, for for those of you listening, just taking a back step, I know yeah, it's it's easy for us to sit here and, and say a lot of things, and people say, "What the fuck does that mean?" So he screened to go to Dev Group. Screened to go to Dev Group. Um, he was accepted and then and then went through the initial phase of training, passed it, and then was assigned uh, to a, to a squadron. Can you? I know there's a lot of things that uh, that are a little dicey in terms mm-hmm. of, of mentioning, but whatever you can, uh, whatever light you can shed on, uh, you know where you went and and, and kind of what that was like, uh, I think would would prove helpful for for whatever you can. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into some. I'm going to keep it mostly about dog stories, and you know, I'm still pretty new to this. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just uh, a lot of this stuff is covered in the book. The process we got it approved by the DOD, of course. You know how that goes. It took a while, but then they went through everything. Yeah, a lot of the stories, especially with my memory, you know, they they cleaned up a bunch of stuff that they didn't want out there, and I want to be very respectful of the sure. all of the people still in. Yeah, I'll tell you as you know, 
as much as I possibly can. A lot of the stories in the book are cleared up. There's, I, I can talk about Cairo all day long, you know, yeah. dog we, we, stories. Yeah. As far as, you know, talking about that stuff, it covers quite a bit in the book, and then, then it's all, you know. Yeah. Well, I guess one thing uh, that I'm curious of, mm-hmm. uh, having not been through that process, uh, what, looking back on it, what is your perception of of that initial phase of training uh, once you get picked up and, you know, between getting picked up and and making it through and and being assigned to a squad and comparing it to say going through buds. Yeah. Great question. I guess that's probably my go-to answer. It's uh, basically another buds for team guys. Yeah. Yeah. They all know you're not going to quit. So it's pretty much performance based. Mm -hmm. And were there any close calls for you in terms of almost not making it or, or cause I know the attrition rate is, is significant. It's uh, significant. Do you remember what? Let's say 50. Yeah. That's my, uh, what I would guess. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah. Definitely had some close calls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, jumping, I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't terrible, but I wasn't the best jumper. Yeah. So I had some close calls there, but luckily I had some good instructors to train me and get me through and yeah. pulled it off, got through um, I'm sure in CQC, you know, I, I felt comfortable, but you never know what the instructors are thinking. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know, uh, you know, I know having watched, you know, a number of guys that I knew well, or, or even, you know, operated, deployed with go through and, and some guys that made it through versus not that kind of surprised you both ways. You know, mm-hmm. there were certain guys that went and I was like, Oh, that guy's going to fucking crush it and got dropped. And other guys like, man, I, you know, I'd be surprised if he makes it and they do well, you know, it's just, it's. I guess from from an outsider looking in, it's a strange, I guess, process within the community that uh, that seems like you you almost you don't really get it unless you've gone through it. Maybe I don't know. Um, yeah. What's your take on that? Yeah, I guess that's the best way to sum it up. Were, were there guys that want the... that kind of fit into that category for you that uh, you didn't think would make it that did, and vice versa? Mm, actually, no, nothing that really comes to mind. You're. Yeah, you're performing at a high level. Everybody kind of, if you weren't holding up to the standard, you just kind of slowly disappeared. And then, yeah. yeah. Was was there a, an element of, you know, again, going yeah. back to buds, where you're treated in a similar fashion, or is it more yeah. gentlemen's course professional? Like, are they hard on you the same way they are? In they buds? can be. They make it tough. Yeah. You know, your performance, right? So it's stressful, and they use physical means to make it more stressful to make sure, you know. Yeah. You're performing at a high level under stressful circumstance. Yeah. I'm, I'm assuming there's no elements of canine anything in that process, right? They, there wasn't. They don't even introduce you to them or, or talk about it or cross train or anything like that. Not that I can remember. Yeah. All right. So you go to a squadron. Uh, at what point did, uh, did you now get involved with canines once you got into the squadron? On my first deployment, I just saw how valuable the dogs were. It was a busy deployment for the dogs, so I mean, just seeing it almost night after night, yeah. you know, hearing the guys in the debrief, just sitting around talking. Plus, I'm a big dog guy; I love dogs. I mean, I got Nala sitting here right beside me. My dog, you know, yeah. I'm, thanks for letting me no, have her in here. I'm a big dog guy. I saw the value. Um, like I said, I got fortunate in my early on in my career, seeing how valuable. You know, with Jimmy Hatch the other day, I heard him say you. You know, uh, you want to be an asset, not a liability, right? So I just made myself an asset as much as I possibly could. And seeing the value of the dogs, if I could save one person's life, mm-hmm. then yeah, I'm in. I love dogs. Like, yeah. let's do this. And then, you know, you 
trying to make myself an asset, the more you're an asset, the more you might be used as well too, you know? Sure. It's a win-win. Yeah. Um, so in that first deployment with uh, the squadron that you were with, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming you, you weren't involved with the dogs at all at that point. Or, or... We got hands-on with the dogs. It's very, you're um, inter- introduced to the dogs. Uh, at, I guess in, very... in, in, what, uh, in what way can you share uh, kind of what, what you would do as a non-handler at that point uh, you know, with dogs? Being comfortable around them, moving through a house with the dogs, doing clearance. Can you uh, speak a little bit to the, the complexities of that? Because, <laughs> I mean, to me that's something where I, I know from an advisory standpoint – consultation etc one of the one of the more common requests i get is you know a how to do that or b whether or not we even should generally from police departments you know and and to me that's a dicey thing right is that um you know from the dog's perspective not being able to explain anything to them you know they have no fucking idea who who these other guys are you know they know who their handler is and whatever and so in units such as as yours um you know there's there's a lot of I think, um, flexibility and that, you know, you, you have the ability to, to be around the same guys day in, day out. Whereas, you know, if it's a police department with, you know, part-time SWAT guys, or, you know, they're only getting together a few days a, a month and trying to integrate a dog into an environment that way, where, you know, literally three or four times a month, this dog is around these guys trying to do these super dynamic things. And, and they're wondering why it's not working out. And it's like, well, that's, f- right. that's why it's not fucking working out, you know? And so that's exactly to me, I guess, you know, looking at it from, from the perspective of, of logistics or, you know, just kind of the big picture where, where most units are trying to incorporate dogs and, and more importantly, how they're trying to do it. Um, if you could kind of talk through the, the successes of, of how, how you have the ability to, to integrate them in that way, um, in, in that process. I think, I think people would love to hear that. Yeah, it was a huge part. I think, um, that's why we did it early on. As soon as I got there, you know, we were exposed to the dogs. The dogs were around. They'd been used for a couple of years, seen how valuable. So as soon as you get there, even as a new guy, especially as a new guy, um, everybody else, you know, might be busy doing other stuff. Hey, uh, go work with the dogs and especially to get used to them. You have to. Yeah. If not, just like you said, uh, you're just not going to be operating. It's not you just being around the dogs and get comfortable shooting and moving, especially if you're not a dog person, yeah. right? You don't want the dog to be a distraction. You want it to be an asset. Yeah. So. And so at what level um, were you guys, were you just integrating with them, being around them, or, yeah. or did they have you guys actually handle them uh, in mm. some instances? Both. You start off nice and easy, just moving, just meeting the dogs. Then just moving through the house, the dogs would be muzzled. Slowly take the muzzles off, depending on the dog. Most guys were comfortable. You just yeah. clear, and then you just get used to a dog clearing. And then we just did it over and over until it was second nature. Second nature, um, as right. it should be. Yeah. So on on that first deployment where you're using dogs, can you share some some of the dog stories that uh, some of the, the successes that they had? Yeah, there's one story. Um, a dog named Falco. Um, he reminded me a lot of Cairo. He was a real friendly dog. He had the switch, turn it on and off, real hard worker. Uh, I remember towards the, excuse me, the beginning of deployment, kind of maybe having some issues, you know, the bark and hold. Yeah. Having to unteach. So I guess when we receive the dogs, 
they are trained to go into a bark and hold situation for canine officers. Um, for us, that just, that's just going to get the dog shot. Right? So we train, try to untrain that out of them and directly engage, and we're always there to quickly subdue, right? So Falco, I guess, was having trouble with the bark and hold, but once he got past that, he turned into a monster. Yeah. And he just, he was such a great dog after, you know, that first initial bite and getting past the, the little bit of trouble. And uh, one night we were out on a mission and uh, going after a couple bad guys. Uh, two guys hiding in a ditch. You know, the dog's most valuable asset is his nose, right? So dog's out front uses his nose, using his nose. He ends up finding the two bad guys. Uh, Salters are right behind him clearing uh, the field i guess he went down into the ditch i wasn't there so this is just a story secondhand right mm. so I, I wasn't there on the squirter the actual squirter patrol i was there on the operation uh, he ends up going into the ditch engaging one of the guys in the ditch getting them to show their hand allowing us to get the drop on them before they can engage us right so in doing so he got shot twice and he didn't make it as a, you know i mean a lot of time well, most of the time they don't yeah yeah and then um yeah so this was uh, on that first deployment that you lost him yeah yeah what mm -hmm. uh what impact did that have uh on the operation as it unfolded uh one of the things i know a lot of people are curious of i already know the answer but i think it's it's good for you to share it mm -hmm. In terms of when a canine is wounded or, or killed in action, how, how is that handled during the operation? Just like me or you getting wounded or injured. It's just like a, he's one of the teammates, right? Yeah. Uh, Cairo was actually kind of, and this covers in the book more detail, kind of same kind of same story. It's, it's crazy. I, um, <clears throat> Falco was actually supposed to be my dog when we got back from that deployment. He ends up passing away right before we get home. He reminded me a lot of him, and uh, when he got shot, Kyra got shot kind of the same way, kind of the same, but, you know, different story, obviously different little details, but same thing, two guys hiding, Kyra goes in to, to engage him, yeah. ends up getting shot. But I, I guess going back to uh, the Falco story, and then we'll get into you taking over on, on Cairo's uh, as a handler. Mm-hmm. With the Falco scenario, so when he was sent in and, and ends up getting shot, I, I guess from from your standpoint, from the team standpoint, um, did you guys know guys were in there hiding or you you suspected it? Did, did him being shot give their position up and, and ultimately save your guys' uh, a couple of your guys' lives potentially? Or how did, how did you kind of, how would you skin that? I would say for sure. Yeah. He at least got. <clears throat> kept somebody from getting shot, if not killed. Yeah, one hundred percent that night. Yeah. And so once once he got shot, that gave mm -hmm. gave you guys the drop on the on the two guys. How was that handled after that? Were you guys able to go in and neutralize those two guys? Or yeah, the guys on on the ground neutralized the guys and ended up like Falco saved probably somebody's life that night. Yeah. They showed their hand. The guys got the drop engaged. Unfortunately, Falco didn't pull through. Yeah. Do you know where he was shot? I know I took it just through the side yeah. from what I could see. I didn't ever get to like, it never went up. It was, it was a rough, I didn't like see the body or anything. Yeah. But. 
In terms yeah. of the, the overall scope of that mission, um, what role did that play in the overall mission? I mean, like from, like, I guess from, from a tactic standpoint in terms of where it was, where that element of the operation was in the, in the grand scheme of the entire thing. No, so we were on our way to the target and the guys ended up fleeing from the building. Once they do that, you know, they'll grab all their weapons. I'm sure you've been in the same scenario. Uh, and they'll just try to ambush us. Go, like when Cairo got shot, there was one guy down low, one guy hiding, hiding up high. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one's just two guys in the ditch. I mean, there's so many of these dog stories. They, that happens over and over again. But this was just, uh, they squirted from the target building. Like I said, uh, I wasn't there. So I can't go into great, great detail. Yeah. But they they were on, uh, the guys had fled from the target. Yeah. They were on patrol. They were on a uh, just lined up, dog out front, using his nose. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. Were there ever instances where you guys had more than one dog on the same same operation? Sometimes we'd bring two dogs. It made sense. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So you guys lose Falco. That obviously has a, a pretty stinging impact on, on you, the team members, the handler. Definitely. Um, what what happened with the handler at that point? Did he, was, I mean, is he sent back? Does, did they send him another dog? How is that handled? I think it was towards the end of our deployment, and I can't remember exactly the details. He, yeah. he might have went home, or he might have stuck out the rest of the deployment. Yeah. Yeah. But we do. We, we had a service for him. Yeah. Uh, treated him just like one of us dying. Memorial in the team room. He goes down on the command memorial wall. We have the specific wall for the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so fucking cool, honestly, man. It's one of the neatest, neatest things that the command does. I know there's a lot of neat shit that goes on there, but... Uh, yes. one, one of the coolest uh, elements is uh, is that, in my opinion. Um, yeah, they they risk our lives or their lives to save ours, right? Yeah. So you treat them just like one of the brothers. Yeah. And then even the helicopter pilots coming in when he got when when Cairo got shot, for them to risk their lives, just it was it was a dog. Right? Yeah. But to us, it's not. Yeah. Uh, to me, that, that speaks volumes to to a couple of things. Number one is how big of a deal they are uh, to you guys. How big of an impact they have. And just highly, how highly respected they are service wide. I mean, to me that that says so much. I think, which again is is not something that I think a lot of people are maybe aware of. That you know, a, a helicopter pilot uh, is going to you know risk that airframe in their life to come come in and, and get a dog that's been killed. So it's it's just really fucking cool to hear, especially when it's on the on the contextual backdrop of say Vietnam where, you know, it was basically the exact opposite and they were treated like pieces of equipment, you know, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, it's... to me, it's, it's a huge black eye on, on the United States military and government, uh, just government wide. But, I mean, um, the way I look at it, you're going to ask the dog to risk his life. Yeah. They love doing their job. Don't get me wrong. They need a job, right? Yeah. But to ask him to do that, you better take care of him. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I yeah. think it's I think it's really fucking cool to to see and hear stuff like that. Um, well, I mean, that's why you do what you do. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I appreciate you you bringing it up. The um, all right. So with that deployment, uh, is there any any elements? And if you can, I certainly understand it. As do the listeners. Is there anything mm-hmm. you can share about where you guys were at, or or why, or kind of what you were doing, or is that? On which deployment? On that, that, that first that deployment. Specific the, deployment. Yeah. I just don't want to share locations. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I get it. Uh, can you talk about, a little bit about, I mean, was it all high value target stuff or, or can you not, not really mention that either? Honestly, between me and you, 
I wish and, and all the listeners. And all the listeners. <laughs> yeah. Just between us and everybody just listening. Just between us, man. Like nothing really, really. Yeah. No, it's I just like business as usual yeah. every night. Yeah. Every night. You don't get fixated. The only time that kind of that came up was the Bin Laden hop. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, if the, it's a if if he, they had taken American lives, if they were a bomb maker, yeah, they had taken American lives. But you know, it's it's just business as usual. I'm sure. Yeah. You, did you ever like have that like really stand out? No, I mean, I guess you know. Similarly, it, it, from my my experience and perspective is, is probably a little different in that you know my time in Iraq was pretty early on. Uh, you know, so I, I guess I would say no. Uh, our business as usual was probably different than your business as usual, which is different from somebody else's, you know, exactly. um, I guess to me, what, what I know I find interesting is kind of the, those, those contrasts of, you know, what business as usual in Afghanistan in 2010 versus, you know, Iraq in 06 or 03 or Syria in 2018 or, you know, whatever is that, you know, to me, I know what business as usual as you do that, you know, it's, it's the listener that, that, you know, trying to provide some, uh, mm-hmm. some insight onto, onto what that really means, you know, cause I again, there's, there's a lot of things that are assumed that, that I, I know because I've been through that, you know, that, you know, cause of what you've been through, but, uh, you know, to the casual listener who 99.9% are not Naval special warfare, uh, you know, veterans, it's, it's, uh, I think hard for them sometimes to, to fully grasp what, uh, what that means, but, um, so let's break it down then. Yeah. So, um, as much as you can, I, you know, yeah. one thing for the listener to realize is that, you know, he's in a, in a, a tight spot as well as I, you know, it's, it's not our goal to, uh, disclose anything that, uh, that should not be disclosed while also, uh, bringing, uh, to attention and bringing into light, uh, you know, the, the amazing element of what, you know, these, these guys and animals do. So realize that we're walking a little bit of a tightrope here and, and doing our best to be both interesting, but also respectful of, uh, of fellow teammates that are still out there fucking doing it day to day. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, that's a, thank you for breaking that down. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm not so articulate every, all the time. So, uh, it's, it's a tough, tough road to walk for sure. Yeah. But. I want to tell Cairo's story. We yeah. have a piece of history. That's, yeah. We're very fortunate to do, to do that, so I'm going to tell his story. But I wanted to be very respectful of the yeah, guys, and true. So, uh, but the <clears throat> to kind of break it down, what's the dog's most valuable um, tools? His nose, right? And those tools to be used on explosive odor and man odor, right? So the dog will go out front whenever it makes the most sense on patrol in, or whenever you get to target to go inside and. Uh, show a change of behavior on what you've trained him to detect, right? So it's explosive narcotics or man. Uh, it's on the handler to do, to conduct enough training to know when your dog is showing a change of behavior, I guess is what you call it. So by that, I mean, you send the dog out in front of you and he's casually strolling out front, <clears throat> probably what you, what we, whatever you, however you train him to patrol, put a lot of work into that. Uh, usually can out in front of the patrol going left going right checking little areas and then you watch him as much as possible and then as soon as he does a quick head turn or it just depends on your dog right mine like Cairo liked the helicopter tail as soon as he was on odor his head would throw and that's like okay maybe something something to pay attention to but if as soon as I start seeing his tail do like kind of a helicopter I'm like cool he's on odor 
we, we conducted so much training to where like I could pick it up. Yeah. I mean, everybody conducted so much training. A lot of guys could pick it up. To me, that, that's a really fascinating aspect that, you know, we typically, because of the nature of most guests on here, don't, don't get that far into the weeds on. And I'm glad you brought it up is, you know, just like with people, uh, you know, dogs have an element of individuality and, and personality that are specific to each and every one of them that way. And, and to me, it's, that's really the key with dogs in general, whether it's a fucking house pet or a, a high drive working dog or, or everything in between is that, you know, they're, they're constantly communicating how they're interpreting the world. Uh, and it's our job to be able to, to spend enough time observing that, to be able to identify what the fuck they're trying to tell us, you know? And to me, that's, that's what separates a great handler from a handler. Um, but the, the helicopter tail thing is, is interesting. And I'm curious could you pick out, um, and um, I, I guess I ask this from being out on the West Coast as a trainer, with, you know, the difference between other game, human odor, explosive odor. You know, as you're walking, could you say, he's on explosive odor, or there's somebody fucking here, or no, I think that's a fucking goat trail or, or whatever. Did you get that nuanced? As far as when he's on human odor, I felt like I could pick it up yeah. really, fairly easily. Mm-hmm. It was a good sign. He would pick up his pace more often. Yeah. You know, he loves finding bad guys first. And yeah. then over the time, you know, if you don't stay on top of the explosive odor training, they might yeah. kind of drop it off a little bit. So, sure. Did you ever have any instances where the dog either almost got a bite, got a bite, uh, came into human odor, and then and then you had to ask him to do explosive after that and struggled with it? Never. No. Never struggled with mm-hmm. it. I, I had good people put me through training. Uh, good team leader. Yeah. Who, I mean, multiple team leaders, like right like yeah. people around. If they handled a dog before, walk me through like how to. Yeah. Navigate if this that. happens, hey, show them. And then you got to know your dog, right? Yeah. Read your dog, know your dog, spend enough time with your dog, and then it's I guess another segue into this is kind of like know what kind of if you're buying a dog, know what kind of dog you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't just go out and buy a Belgian Malinois or yeah. a Husky or a working dog unless you know what you're getting into. Huh? Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, so you come back from that deployment. Uh, you guys lose Falco. Uh-huh. At, at that point, when you were back, is that when, I mean, did you approach leadership and say, hey, I want to be a canine handler, or did they approach you, or how did that process pan out? I went up to the dog handler, and I spent time with him on that deployment just for seeing, just to pick his brain. And between him and the team leaders, seeing it, just it, it was a done deal. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so now you're you're officially a, a handler. As soon as I get back from that deployment, he's like, "You'll be going to handler school." And how uh, how was that? It was great. Yeah, so, uh, I forget exactly how long it was, but one on one time with yeah. Carol. So so at that point, did you guys have was was the handler school in house or did they send you somewhere? They sent us somewhere in California, which is all covered in the book. You know. Um, yeah. at, at that point, did you, did, was Cairo at the command, uh, or did you go out there and meet him and, and pick him up for the first time out there? He had been in the command. I didn't get to go on the buy trip, but I got to see him at the commands the first time I met Cairo. Had he had a handler and done any, any work prior to, or you were, these were all new dogs okay. fresh from a buy trip. Yeah. Okay. So you get paired up with him. You go to California, go through handler school. Uh, can you kind of synopsize that experience other than, than, than it was fun? No. Yeah, of course. Um, learned a lot of value. I mean, it was great training, great people, the bonding experience between me and Cairo during that, I think it was nine weeks. As I mean, I think it was the right call to do that. I guess sending me elsewhere instead of trying to do it at the command tour. 
the dog gets to come home with me every night. You're really building that bond. Yeah. Like you said, if you're able to do that with your dog, not all dogs are going to be able to turn the switch off, right? If you can, it was really good to, for us to be doing training all day. I'm learning how to read my dog. He's learning me. And then even in our off time, just building that bond really strong. And, yeah. And yeah. That, to me, that, that's the, the key concept uh, really with all of it that I... I beat that dead horse uh, constantly, whether it's my online training or when I do workshops or conferences or whatever, that I think, you know, a lot of times, not a lot of times, sometimes people in the industry, I think, are are a little lost on in that they, they undervalue uh, how important a bond and trust and relationship is uh, in this. No different than team member to team member if you're a police officer and your partner or whatever is oh, that... Yeah. You know, if that if that trust between the two of you and that relationship isn't strong, uh, you're just plain and simple not going to be operating at the same level and capacity that that you are when it is. Uh, any any uh, funny or cool stories during handler handler course where, you know, I know when we uh, we we ran one in house where where the company I had at the time you know ran ran the training and then we, you know there were other ones where, uh, you know, we saw handlers going going to probably the same place that you went to. Um, and just, you know, some, some kind of funny stories of being back at the hotel uh, off time or whatever, like the dog eats a whole fucking pizza when they're not looking or was there anything like yeah, that, that, yeah. uh, that you and Cairo had that, not uh, a single story, me? nothing. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I start? Yeah. Uh, getting him uh, in the hotel room. Right. So I don't know if the dog, it's a working dog. I yeah. love dogs, but I don't know you. You look yeah. like a wolf. Like yeah. these are working dogs. Kind of scary. He was 75 probably 70, 75 pounds. He's fighting weight. Just had him new handler at school first week. I'm on the bed with him in the hotel and he just starts growling. I'm like, huh? I don't really know you, man. <laughs> what are you growling at? He's looking up at the, so say I'm Cairo. He's just staring up at the top, maybe left corner of the room. He won't stop growling. Just sitting there watching TV, chilling with him. He's growling and growling and it's making me nervous. I'm like, all right. Like, how do I exactly... I've had you for a couple of days. I was like, eventually I'm just like, okay, go, go get it. I'm like whatever you want to do. And I started giving the command to go bite. And it was just, it was a weird experience. He ended up, it took a while, but he ended up stopping grabbing. I remember being like, huh, that was. Yeah. yeah so you have no idea what he was looking at. I have no idea to yeah. this day, but he just, you know, but that was one of those moments where it's like, man. Yeah. So I guess, is that something that they cover in the handler school at all in terms of uh, having the dog on the bed or loose or not? Or like, do they give you any, did they not give you guidance on, um, you know, what to, what to do in your off time? I mean, obviously you're, you're spending as much time away from, you know, the handler school with the dog in your off time as you are there. Is that something that they, that they spent much time kind of trying to walk you through or is it just like, here's your fucking dog, go home, we'll see you tomorrow. I mean, it was a very good school. I would say it would be dog dependent and everybody. So there's a couple of seals that were not handlers. And then there was a couple of MAs who had more handlers, right? So yeah. the MAs kind of knew the deal. <clears throat> and then they would teach us at the school or the handlers would like give us points. We would teach them uh, our tactics yeah. to help them out. And they would teach us kind of pointers on the dog. And then, like I said, the school that we were at would, would cover stuff and every dog is different. So a specific dog, you know. Hey, maybe don't take him out and let him chill in bed with you. Yeah. Right. But with certain dogs, yeah. Yeah. And if you're abusing it, then it's on you to be responsible for that, right? If I, if if he's getting too much time, being a family dog and he's not working. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's on you, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. 
I guess that, you know this flat this kind of flashed in my head as, mm-hmm. as you were talking you know thinking of if you had known at that point right in that early on in your career with Cairo that he that you and he would be the dog that ultimately would fly halfway across the fucking globe and and uh, execute the bin Laden raid like how crazy is that to think of like as you're sitting there watching your dog growling at fucking thin air yeah I wish I um, I wouldn't have wanted to know yeah yeah no shit yeah Tell me about that. I mean, I mean, everybody hoped for it. Just uh, you don't want to get distracted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 almost such a fucking big deal. I can I can yeah. see what you mean. You know, it's like it's yeah, it's almost too. It's larger than life. I mean, it's such a piece of history that uh, I, I get that. Um, if you're fortunate enough to do it, then cool. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there's other business going on that's important as well. Yeah. So, um, all right. So. You you spend eight nine weeks there. Uh, when you when you left there, did you feel like you were at a point where you were ready to to get down to business with them? Or, oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, a great course. Came out of there with a lot of knowledge. Yeah, a lot of confidence. The bond was amazing. Yeah. Still, you know, we had to work with our team. Yeah. But that time was very valuable. Yeah. So you come back, you get back in with the squadron, and and you go right into. Uh, working with him doing assaults integrating him into the into the group yep any uh any issues or was it pretty seamless i could hand him off to anybody and he'd prove him he was uh low maintenance yeah <laughs> you stay up on uh explosives and with him and you know maybe he slacked about that i say his only downfall <clears throat> be his bad teeth he had periodontal yeah that was the only i mean you know he's a pretty chill mellow dog low maintenance i could hand him off to another handler and he could plug and play pretty easily yeah yeah uh, how long from the time you finished that until you actually deployed with them? I got some months, three, three four, four months. months. Yeah. And uh, do you do you recall the the very first real world mission you did with them? And um, can you talk about it? Yeah, I want to say it was a nothing happened that night. I think it was a good shakeout. So yeah. it was good to. Uh, I don't think anything happened on target, so it was good to see him on the patrol and how he does and how he interacts like in a real-world environment for the first time without things getting too crazy, if yeah, that makes sense. yeah, For sure. I guess looking at it from having done two deployments at Team 4, mm-hmm. had already done a deployment at Dev Group, you know, all, all three of those as shooters, and you'd seen the dogs now being on, the, on that other side where now you're handling a dog. Uh, how, were, how, how were your nerves slash you know, just feelings overall, I guess, in terms of, you know, being nervous or feeling confident or, you know, a mixed bag of the two, you know, what, what was your mentality like that first mission as his handler vice, just being a shooter? I mean, I was confident because of all the training that we put in. I was confident in my guys. <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest, I was, of course I was nervous. You never know how you're going to really be on target right yeah i didn't want to disappoint my men or my guys you know not my men yeah no my, I know the men that were with me you know like yeah really looked up to those guys yeah i didn't want to be that's where i was nervous i just yeah. want to make sure i didn't let anybody down sure it's a big big responsibility yeah yeah i mean any job in the team is a big responsibility this was just new responsibility a dog's not such an easy thing to handle right yeah. you never know it's an animal yeah. you never know what he's going to do so you just i guess i was nervous i hope i put in enough training you know yeah but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, good shakeout, uh, good mm-hmm. learning experience. Uh, did you see any changes in behavior in, in his, <clears throat> in his 
realm to where you, you felt like he came into to any explosive odor or anything like that, or it was just pretty pretty run of the mill. No explosive odor. Did he seem any different? I guess you know emotions running up and down the leash to a certain extent. You'd done a lot of training with him. Did do you, do you get the the overall um, interpretation by reading his body language that he sensed that it was different from a training standpoint? I guess the, like obviously we we trained to to it being as real as possible, but the emotions of the team members on in training, knowing that it's fucking training, obviously the dog can't rationalize that, but they, they for sure can pick up on the emotions of the team and, and, and that, that type of, uh, impact. Talk about what you see out of the dog in training versus real world and, and whether or not there's a big difference that you saw. Nothing that really sticks out to my mind. Every time we put the vest on him, he got excited. Yeah. Break out the muzzle of the vest. He knew it was work time. Yeah, getting on a helicopter. That was like another one of his. Like, all right. Yeah. And then didn't really matter either way. It was high drive, ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I really saw a noticeable difference. No. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, Did you? It, it depended on the dog. It you know. Um, I I think. <laughs> I guess I, I think it ultimately boils down to you know the the difference between dogs, certain people, uh, the environment, uh, and all of those things together. You know, I think some dogs, you know, you can't really see any difference uh, between you know what the what the handler feels, what the dog feels, whether or not it's real world, and other ones I think are are more, um, I would say, adversely excuse me, almost adversely impacted because the, the handler is, is projecting so much uh, emotion down the leash where, where it does impact the dog. I think, you know, it's just, it's going to vary from, from dog to dog, at least from, from what I've seen in dealing and working with a lot of police and, mm-hmm. and different military groups over the years. But um, so, all right. So you do your first mission uh, as a good shakeout patrol. You kind of knock the rust off or, or get the, the, the first stop jitters uh, kind of out of your system. What what was the next uh, or or kind of the first real world op that you went on with Cairo where he either found something, bit something, um, bit something, bit somebody where where he was actually used and made a tangible difference? Can you walk us through that that first time that that you had that experience with him? Yeah. So we were uh, conducting <clears throat> clearance of a building. Bad guys, supposedly bad guys in there. Once we got there, we were doing something called a call out. <clears throat> we were asking them to come out of the building. Uh, a couple of women came out probably. We asked, you know, are there anybody? Is there anybody else in the building? And then uh, I had I had Cairo kind of behind, so the team is stacked up on the door, ready to go. And the assaulters, you kind of keep Cairo near but not in the way. So they were dealing with the problem, and they're conducting the call out. Uh, there was a guy in there not being compliant. Escalation of force, you know. Uh, eventually, the call was made. Send Cairo in. Let Cairo off lead. <clears throat> he enters the room. A lot of the setups inside the house is like, uh, I guess the initial room you go into is a bathroom or a kitchen kitchen area. And usually a, a room to the left and a room to the right, you know, a mud hut. He goes in, sniffs the kitchen area. He goes into the right room. Um, during the call out, one of the women, I guess, decided to leave her baby in a bundle of clothes on the ground or blankets. Jesus. Jesus. 
Yeah, they, <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? I guess they forget sometimes yeah. to grab their children. I don't yeah. know what. <clears throat> Holy fuck. So he Cairo goes into that room on the right side. He does clearance. He ends up going up to the baby and sniffing. And I'm sure you've seen this. The dogs sometimes will, you know, they talk with their mouth. They'll grab pillows or blankets or anything. And he went up to the baby and didn't, didn't cause any damage. Sniffed it, went right past it. Did his search of that room. Shot across into the, through the kitchen, into the other room and engaged a bad guy. And there was actually another, I think there were at least one more one, two women in there probably. Went past the women, engaged the guy, the oh, non-compliant shit. man. Man. And yeah, it was, uh, that's fucking incredible. So it, it didn't incredible. touch the baby at all. Didn't touch the baby at all. Did you have uh, a camera vest on him at that point? I probably did. Yeah. Is that, I, I guess I'm curious from, uh, from just out of just straight curiosity, like logistically, tactically, whatever. Are there times where that's more of a hindrance than a help? Yeah. I would say it's situational dependent, right? Yeah. Just like everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> is that how you knew about where he was at in the baby or not? Or? I don't remember seeing that on screen. I, those were, you know, I'm watching, but the assaulters were up on the thing. So I'm back, you know, directing and I don't, I don't remember seeing it on the camera, yeah. but yeah, it was yeah, one of wild. the, uh, I think the team leader. Yeah. That was on the one I was like, Hey yeah, man, wild. he, cause you, you can't see the, we didn't know there was a child in there. You yeah. can't see. And then we found the baby. He's, just bundled up in some clothes and like, what is this? Man, that is fucking wild. Because hey, I mean, th- there's for sure probably some dogs that that would not have responded no. that way. You yeah, know? no, not not at all. You know, so that's uh, that's incredible. I mean, it, I think it speaks volumes to his temperament for sure. What's more surprising, that or the fact that somebody left their child yeah, in the yeah. room? Well, I, I mean, to me at this point, with some of the shit that I've heard, it like it's not that surprising, no. unfortunately. Not but, to us, but but uh, yeah, in, in our society, it's impossible to fathom, but. Uh, I am curious. So when he mm-hmm. went in and engaged that guy, do you remember where, where he grabbed him? In the arm. Yeah, it was just a, So when he engaged him, I remember going into the room. We ended up subduing the guy and taking him in for questioning. Uh, I didn't get to see... I probably saw the wound. I don't, like, that doesn't really stand out. I'm sure it was a good bite. I remember seeing the puddle of blood that he must have nicked an artery. It was like a <laughs> jello mold in the corner of the room. It all congealed. No shit. I'd never seen something like that before. God damn. Was, was he like, a, a skinny guy? Yeah. 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 And it was, it was really weird. I mean, we've seen some yeah. stuff. You've, yeah. You know, after over the years of going after bad guys, you see some stuff. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of fucking blood. That's, that's, that's cool. I've never seen that. It looked like a jello mold over there. Yeah. And he didn't bleed out. They, the medic saved him. I yeah, mean, of course. Like, we just good at the job. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know who that guy ended up being in terms of um, bad guy versus not bad guy? I mean, was no, it was, it, yeah, we took you, him in for questioning. He was being non-compliant. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you're not leaving your child in the room. <clears throat> probably doing that so they don't care about their children. They'll use their women. You know, yeah. they use women as shields. They'll get children to put on suicide vests. I'm not past saying that they were hoping. That's something that we either trampled the kid because why was it, you know, just cover it in clothes and either we yeah. step on him or have the dog bite him or something and they can use it against us. Like, God, God, it's fucking unbelievable. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah Woo-hoo! often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Ch-ch-ch- 
Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained. Covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. Man, that's pretty crazy. So he got his first bite. That was the that so that was the first app that he ended up you know really kind of being used and and uh, you know proving his worth. Whatever. What was that feeling like for you getting your first bite and and in that that capacity, especially given all of the other circumstances that he performed so well. For him, it was <laughs> I wasn't surprised, but it was awesome to see because you're always nervous. You never know if your dog's going to engage. Yeah. It was good to get that feeling of confidence just move yeah. past that like okay yeah. he's going to engage he's yeah. going to do his job there's no doubt yeah and to see him do it so well especially in that circumstance yeah yeah i definitely remember coming home from that op being like cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> fucking a yeah yeah that's awesome. and then we didn't have to engage that guy we can take yeah. him out for questioning you know yeah yeah right yeah i mean they're they're far more valuable captured than, uh, no. than killed you know so that's awesome uh, all right, so for the rest of that deployment, um, how many operations would you say you went on with him where uh, where he was bene- proved beneficial in, in that regard in terms of either explosive finds or uh, or apprehensions? So a few apprehensions. <clears throat> apprehensions. As far as explosive finds, we never had a big find. My my teammates, you know, we're all we had multiple dogs in the squadron so we're always working yeah. in multiple areas multiple dogs and yeah some of my teammates had some some pretty decent finds some caches w- were there yeah. any in particular that uh that were surprising mm-hmm. uh the finds in, in terms of just either how complex they were the capability or, or how big they were or things like that one of my friends <clears throat> great guy who's a one of the mastered arms it was surprising on his find i think he found uh just a very small, small amount of, like maybe it was a pistol and maybe a small amount of explosives in the wall, I think. It was just it was just impressive. It came up afterwards. I'm like, hey, man, look what he hit on. Yeah. After being in drive man odor mode yeah. like all night, and then for him to find like that, I was like, man, good. Wow. Hey, it was like, it was good to see that. Like, hey, good job on training your dog, man. Yeah. Like, yep. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a find given those circumstances. I, I am mm-hmm. curious. uh mm-hmm. Within the squadron, there's a number of dogs. Um, were there any other operations on that deployment uh, while, you know, your first handler deployment? Were there any other cool stories of, uh, of any of the other dogs that, uh, that got some really good bites or, or finds uh, other than that one? Yeah, I'm sure. If we're being honest, a lot of this stuff kind of blurs together. Yeah. Um, Another story I can talk, I can think about off just off the top of my head. Even the deployments kind of merge together, and yeah. you know, sure. especially with a, a little bit of TBI. Yeah, I remember one night a good Falco story. He ended up uh, finding the target, the uh, HVT or high value target we were after HVT. <laughs> when he got to him, he, it was a good sprint, maybe hundred yards away. So it was a good shot, like a. But we sent the dog so that we couldn't engage him. And he was he was running 
uh, dog ends up tra- tracking him down. We get to him, you know, super quick. And he, by the time we got there, Falco had ended up ripping his throat out. No shit. Yeah. Fucking Christ. That, uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like another one of the dogs that we had on with, uh, ben, you know, when Benny came on talking about Digo. There we go. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, I'm assuming the guy didn't make it. Yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, was he dead by the time you got to yeah, him? Yeah, yeah, from what I heard. Yeah. Like I said, it was usually we don't, you know, we try to keep the dogs close, but yeah. this was a, a different circumstance. Yeah. Dog was out a little farther than usual, got to him quick, ended up, you know, subduing the guy. Yeah. By the time we got up there, he was, he, <laughs> if he was still there, he <coughs> he, was, he wasn't happy. Yeah, holy fuck, man. Yeah. What, uh, do you know, I mean, obviously you weren't, you weren't his handler, but... Do you know if when he got to him, did he go straight there? Did he grab him by the leg and get him down and then treat him like fucking quarry? Or I really don't know. Yeah. I mean, to me, I guess that, that would just in, in thinking through it of, of how that would transpire. Because one thing that I, I know I get asked, I don't know if you do fairly often, is that, you know, do you ever teach them to target certain spots like that? And the answer is no. Uh, at least, you know, from all of my experience and everybody I've ever worked with, it's always, you know, depending on where the person is at, either arms or legs. Um, and just because of the nature of, of sometimes the position that the individual may be in or not uh, can sometimes dictate them to, to go to a different spot or whatever. But generally speaking, you know, given a full frontal or a four, uh, full, uh, you know, rear shot, uh, you know, they'll, they'll pick, you know, one of a handful of target areas that we tend to teach, which, you know, again, is arms or legs. But I am curious to, I just wonder, I guess, how, how he got into the point where, where he went into his throat. Cause it's, it's certainly not typical. You no. don't train for that. So. No, we don't train for that uh, at all. And shit, you can't, can't really train for that, you know, well, but, uh, Falco was a monster. Like he was a big, big yeah. dog. And yeah. <clears throat> once he got a hold of you, he's no joke. Yeah. Did you ever work uh, Falco in the I, suit? I, uh, in the suit? I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. 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 Well, is there a dog that's, that stands out at the command, uh, whether it's him or, or whoever that was, you know, the, the hardest biting dog you caught there? Not the hardest biting, you know. Some dogs just had more work in than others. Yeah. Was, uh, I guess, from a, I'm assuming you never worked Cairo, but mm-hmm. from the guys that did, was he uh, an exceptionally hard biter? Seemed like he had a pretty big fucking head and a longer muzzle, but from at least from the picture of him, was he uh, was he a pretty hard biter? And Everybody said he had a good bite. Yeah. And that first bite, he uh, definitely yeah. showed it. Pro- proved his worth. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, throughout that deployment, um you you used him several other times. Were any of the other bites significant that uh, that he got on that deployment? Nothing that comes to mind. Any, anything mm-hmm. that you can, uh, I guess, share in terms of just the operation itself uh, as to as to what he did. The operation. <clears throat> any of the operations uh, th- themselves on that deployment. Yeah, I mean, uh, on that deployment, I mean, it's just. It might not have been Cairo. Like I said, they all kind of merged together. Yeah. So it wasn't Cairo. It was another dog. It's kind of like the same, like maybe a false wall. There was one where we walked into a bathroom. <clears throat> dogs going crazy in the bathroom, a small room. The handler was smart enough. To, I mean, obviously the dog's showing a change of behavior. The dog or the handler was smart enough to like not leave that room. Knew something really was going on. Ended up figuring it out, lifted up the floor, and then that's where they were hiding. There's so, multiple guys? I think there's one guy on that one. Oh, okay. Uh, Did he grab him or just alert you guys to him? He just alerted. Yeah. That's what we try to do. So that's what, if you don't have to get the dog a bite, we would I would recall him. Any change of behavior, if he was headed towards a, 
open field is heading towards a bush I'm, I'm recalling him yeah any scorter position i would show if you showed a change of behavior any dog you would just recall him back and yeah. we'll escalate force without the dog if we don't have to put the dog in harm's way yeah then we won't yeah no it's good to hear i know i know that there are some units that don't particularly prescribe to that you know it's all situational yeah. dependent if the yeah. dog needs to go in there and grab a guy so he doesn't kill one of us then okay but if yeah. we can save the dog's life then yeah yeah. One thing I'm curious of in terms of you as a handler and, and you being given the authority or autonomy to make those calls, uh, is that the case where, like in a case like that, do you have the the authority to say, you know, hey, Lieutenant, no, we're fucking, I'm bringing him back, or yeah, I can send him in, or like what what role do, do you as a handler play in that in terms of, of your authority to, to, to make that call? I would just stick my... <clears throat> put myself in a position where I was right by a team leader, somebody to make the big decisions. But when it actually came out to nobody would get mad at me if I saw Cairo throw a change of behavior and I recalled him and kept him safe. Yeah. And so I had authority to do all that. But yeah. as far as sending him out, you know, I just stayed close to somebody who made the decision about running the big picture. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's good to hear too. I know sometimes that's not the case, but, um, all right. So you finish your first deployment as his handler. And then you did two more subsequent deployments as as his handler. Just one more. Just one more as his handler. Mm-hmm. Did two deployments with him. Okay. And then uh, the, the so that's that next deployment uh, was that again business as usual in, in comparison to the first one, or, or was there anything on that deployment that stood out as being remarkable? Nothing that stands out as being remarkable. Yeah. I'm a hand, did he get a handful of bites, handful of fines? I would say it might have been. I don't think his bites were all that that many. Yeah. I think a lot of guys like we got some bites. We were fortunate, obviously, and then we got to participate in really good stuff. As far yeah. as as many bites, I mean, we didn't get a lot, a lot of bites. Yeah. Some guys did. Some yeah. guys got like dozens. Of, oh man, yeah. just yeah. keep them busy. But sometimes you just don't get a bite, yeah. and, and and that's not a bad thing. Sometimes yeah. it's just recalling the dog. Yeah. early right yeah no i mean especially when it comes to explosive odor i think uh you know it only stands to reason obviously in training you let the dog locate source and, and give you a final but i can 100 percent understand and would agree with the tactic of as soon as you see that fucking call him back and and mm-hmm. understand that there, there's something over there and either you know depending on the situation call eod up or or try to blow it in place or just avoid it altogether or, or whatever but uh is there a single uh, operational story that you can remember or share from that, that second deployment with him as his handler that, that sticks out? I can share the story about when he got shot. Yeah, that's another one that sticks out. And True. Might not be the second deployment, but uh, it's like I said, it was kind of like the night Falco got shot. <clears throat> as we're on our way to the target, I guess they kind of heard us coming. Early warning, maybe. They ended up fleeing from the building they hopped two guys hopped on a moped and they were loaded down with um ak's rpgs the call was made to follow it was actually four <clears throat> two sets of men four four guys total two mopeds one guys two guys squirted one way two guys squirted a different way like a one helicopter followed one guy on one motorcycle and we were following the other one the roes were um they made it to a tree line and we couldn't just drop bombs on them because ROE. So 
call was made just to land safe distance away and patrol up, conduct a call out and try to get him to come out and then uh, use escalation of force from there. Real quick, were, were mm-hmm. there only four people total or were there just the four people that, that squirted the two different directions and there were more people in the target or do you know? Yeah, it's, it's hard to remember because everything gets kind of, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we're following two guys on a moped basically. And they end up getting to a tree line. We sat down safe distance away. We make our way up to the tree line. Um, they're not complying, obviously. <laughs> they're ready for a firefight. Escalation of force. We're trying to keep everybody safe. Can't get the drop on them. Eventually, the call was made to call, uh, send the dog in. It was right there by the team leader. <clears throat> I was using the wind to my advantage. So I was over on the right flank. That's where my team leader was anyways. And sent uh, Cairo into the tree line. He... I had a strobe on him to kind of try to see see him better. Of course, once he got into the trees, he pretty much disappeared. I'm trying to stay down and make my way down because he sent him in. He's following his nose to the left, right? So there was a, as we made our way up to the tree line, I forgot to say there was a, a brick wall where we could make some cover behind. So we're all kind of behind this brick wall. Send Cairo over the brick wall. He goes in, disappears. I know he's moving left. I'm making my way down trying to be safe and watch it's hard to you know see a strobe every once in a while it wasn't too long he ended up engaging one of the guys they were set up in an ambush and engaged the guy again they started shooting Cairo that showed their hand it allowed our I don't know who was over there on the left flank I was making my way over you know one of the assaulters or sniper ended up maybe probably multiple guys end up engaging both of the bad guys and they took care of them. Nobody had eyes on Cairo. I'm recalling him. Certain amount of time passed by. I mean, I'm, I'm this happened all pretty quick, but it seems like eternity. He's not coming back. I'm not sure how long it was because he wasn't coming back. I obviously knew something was wrong. What had happened was though, um, since there was a brick, <clears throat> a rock wall, I guess he couldn't make his way back over wherever he was at. He ended up having to find a break in the wall, it seems like, and make his way through the wall. And so the wall made a, it was all the way, it made an L around the trees. He ended up coming out of the trees, coming all the way back around the wall, finding the team. And as he was making his way down the line of, of, of team members back to me where I was at, and I was making my way to him, he collapsed. And immediately, I'm like, he had been gone for so long. And as soon as I seen him collapse, I figured he was dead. What what was uh, going through your mind, generally speaking, other than that you thought he was dead? I mean, what, what was the the feeling like at that point? I mean, were you, were you panicky? I don't say I was panicky, but it was... Heart racing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there ever an element that uh, that you felt... Or, or seemed like you kind of, I won't say forgot tactics or, or whatever, but reacted in a way uh, that you wouldn't normally have because it was him and, and you mm-hmm. felt like his life was in danger? On that one, <clears throat> I don't think so. I, I knew what the situation was. We knew there was two guys in there. I had a lot of guys up there, <laughs> people I can trust to take care of business, right? I, I, they didn't need me to run up. Even though when I saw him drop, I immediately thought he was dead. I was crushed yeah. it's still business yeah. just like if one of your team any teammate on the 
you get shot, you still have to conduct the operation, right? Yeah. I knew that they did probably didn't need me up there on the line. The guys had it. So I was able to make my <clears throat> way directly to him smartly. Yeah. As soon as I got to him, uh, he was still alive. A little bit of relief, right? The chances of him making it aren't very good. No, no. Call goes out over the radio. I let my team leader know. I let the whole team know. I start pulling out his blowout kit, all of his medical supplies. Uh, and this happened quick. <clears throat> As I'm tearing open the bag, getting the gauze out, ready to find the holes and start stuffing, uh, one of the medics on the team ran back, and it was perfect timing. I had just torn open the bag, I got the gauze out, and he just shows up, and I start handing it to him. Start handing it him. He's actually tearing the packages open. As he's tearing the packages open, I'm tearing, the, taking Cairo's vest off and putting Cairo's muzzle on. I put his muzzle on just in time for him to start stuffing. Like it just all happened. It just flowed so yeah. well. And I, like I'd say, he saved his life. I'm like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have been so fast getting that gauze out, getting his vest off, stuffing. I probably wouldn't have put a muzzle on, just stuffing that those holes. And to have him come back and he knew what he was doing. He went to, you know, 18 Delta. It's good teamwork, you know. I took his vest off, got his muzzle on just in time as he's stuffing that gauze in him. Cairo was mostly chill, surprisingly, considering he was shot. He, he was shot through the front of his chest. I think he was stuffing gauze in that hole and slid his muzzle on. He yelped once and like kind of hit him with the side of the muzzle. So considering there was a hole in his chest, he took the pain pretty well. Yeah. We didn't even, he was shot also through the leg. And we we're thinking that's why he couldn't get back over the wall. The biggest thing we were concerned about was the hole in his chest. As all that's happening, <clears throat> uh, the team leader at the time, or the headshot at the time, had called the bird in, has a back bird, medevac bird, whatever you want to call it, to pick up Cairo and get, his, to get him to medical attention, just like any teammate. Even though he's a dog, he was the only one wounded. And those pilots, I mean, we're still in a gunfight. Things are still happening. We're just, they, they flew in no problem just to, to pick up Cairo. Yeah. Once we got back to base, the uh, medical staff, that we didn't have any vets. It was surgeons working on him. They did a great job. Once we were able to, they got him stabilized. And once they ended up getting him stabilized, we flew him to Bath, Bagram. And then uh, that's where we had the vets do their job. And Yeah. Yeah. Man, it gives me fucking chills hearing you, you tell that story in, in so many different ways. Um you know the the efficacy of of how amazing the dog is in terms of their ability to do what they do to to augment us you know your unit's ability to fucking take care of business so seamlessly both in neutralizing that threat not neutralizing the dog because that's fucking dicey you know for for those of you listening think about that it's at night that's what I was saying. Probably a sniper. You know, yeah, I mean, other than fuck, e- either way, like it's at night. Either way, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah, you know. I mean, the fact is, is that a dog is biting two guys in a tree line at night on night vision, you know, and they have the ability to kill those two guys, not the dog, you know, and then you guys rush in, save the dog, the helos come in, pick the dog up, you guys continue. Were there other things happening gunfight-wise while... The helos came in, and, and uh, were you guys still doing stuff or just kind of maintaining Some guys it? were still going at, at it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they didn't know everything was clear. Yeah. They had showed their hand. Yeah. I'm sure they were still working it. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so the, you guys are, are still, you know, in the middle of, a, of an, an active operation. Right. 
helos come in pick the dog up you manage to save the dog not lose any of your guys take those two guys out i mean to me all of that stuff there there there's so many fucking components Mm -hmm. to that story that that say so much about that unit and and its ability to to be so incredibly fucking and impressively effective uh i mean my hat's off to to you and your guys man that's truly fucking remarkable and and if you don't get chills listening to that, go fuck yourself, you know, and, and choke yourself while you're at it. Because uh, that's that's just a fucking incredible story. It, it, it's, I mean, I don't even know what, what to say past that. Uh, I appreciate you sharing it. It's, yeah, it's, thank you. It's thank fucking you. crazy. And you know the deal. Just it, it all goes back to the amount of training. Yeah. And it was an honor to be there with the, with the guys that I was with. Yeah. No, it's, so. it's, uh, it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, so I guess one thing I was curious of when you were uh, talking about when you first came up on him, was he mm-hmm. shocky to the point of not really recognizing you? Was there a tail wag at all? Did mm-hmm. did he seem relieved that you were there? Or was... I think he was just laying there. Yeah, he just and I, you know, obviously never see a Malinois or yeah. <laughs> lay and chill. He was shot. Yeah, his tail wasn't wagging from what yeah. I can remember, but things were pretty hectic. Yeah. I wasn't concentrating on that. I was. Yeah, I guess I was just yeah. curious if, if you noticed him, you know, recognizing you coming up at all, or if it was just. I'm sure he did, but I don't remember his like tail wagging. I'm sure seeing me probably helped. Yeah. Ease him. Yeah. But. Um, one thing, just again for the listener, I I, I know the different elements of it, but um, in terms of of providing uh, medevac, casevac, and just medical care, trauma care. Uh, to a dog and how it differs from people. I know it's it's largely similar, but there are some some differences. How much of of that do you guys cover in training, both as a handler, your medics, et cetera? Um, you know, as it relates to dogs, how how in depth do you get on on canine trauma care? A lot, <clears throat> and especially uh, if you're a handler. And I would say everybody on the team knows it. Uh, Put, gets their hand on canine medical training, but yeah. especially if you're a handler, we do quite a bit. I mean, when I was at, even when I was in uh, the dog training school in the beginning, uh, one of the classrooms that I was in when, so it's kind of another fun story. I'd just gotten him in the classroom, you know, week one, maybe week two, classroom time. Cairo's uh, out in the suburban or, you know, SUV, tailgate lifted in the kennel, AC on come out of the classroom. It was a medical classroom, right? So, you know, learn about medical stuff. And then like, yeah. just to uh, come out of the classroom and his cage door was about six feet away from the back of the SUV, just laying there on the ground. And I'm like, Oh shit. Like, where did he go? And this is, you know, cop cars everywhere, other training going on. I didn't know, you know, I was brand new. I didn't know what Cairo was going to do. And I kind of freak out for a second. Like, is he off attacking another officer with his dog or, you know, getting in some trouble, doing something. I scared me real bad. I run over and he's just sitting in the cage, chilling. It's like nothing happened. And I'm like, all right. He probably what was thinking is like, he probably ended up just breaking the door off. Yeah. He had to go take a <laughs> shit. And he hopped back in the cage and like I was just, he's just chilling. By the time I got out, but yeah, I guess uh, that's just a funny kind of segue into medical. But yeah, we conduct quite a bit of medical God, training. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> is there in terms of your 18 delta or your your corpsman your medics within uh-huh. the unit do they do any any specific canine or they just use what they know and apply it like do they go through some of the canine training with you guys yeah Medic, we, yeah we, we do specific classes on canine yeah okay mm-hmm. um 
Well, it's like I said, it's truly remarkable. Um, all right, so he gets essentially life flighted out, stabilized at Bagram. Uh, what, what was his life like after that in terms of rehab, recovery? Uh, did he go to Germany and then come back home and go to Lackland and that whole? He did, but I stayed on deployment. <clears throat> uh, yeah, just to, to, to reiterate, they are different. You know, they're, they're similar, but they're different. When they were operating on Cairo, the surgeons, they didn't know that I guess there's a flap in the back of the dog's neck. You have to flip it down and then stick the tube in to, to get an airway. And uh, they had to like, they just couldn't get an airway, so they had trouble airwaying them. So, you know, it's just to reiterate on that point, some things are the same, yeah. some things are different. There's little things like that that you need to know in order to, you know, get a dog an IV. It's different. How to put a tourniquet on on a dog from a human? Yeah, it's definitely different. You know, all that hair. Yeah. Uh, and then could you uh, repeat the? Which, uh, so I'm curious. You know, once once he was stabilized, he he went from Bagram. Did he go to Germany and then to Lackland? And, he did. Um, you stayed on deployment. What was that? Did you just slide into a, an operator role, or did you grab another dog? Or yeah, good buddy of mine, Mike Toussaint. He, God bless Mike. By the way, I God love that bless guy. Mike. Me too. He had just lost Rimco, so he was able to uh, meet me at the in Bath. He picked up Cairo and brought me a spare dog named Bronco. You know, I know I well. And you, Mike, I went through the handler course with Mike, so we yeah. were great. Like, I love Mike to death. Yeah. So it was cool. I got to hand I get to hand Cairo off, even though he was injured. He he made it through the night. I didn't think he was going to make it. I stayed with him through the entire night, right there on the floor. Of course, uh, he ended up coming around, coming around. You know, pretty quick. Uh, as soon as I knew he was going to make it, Mike shows up, gives me another dog. I hand him off, and I know he's in good hands. And from there, he did. As far as I know, he went to rehab in Lackland. Yeah. Do you know the extent of his injuries now, you know, after the fact, like what exactly was wrong? Obviously, getting shot in the chest and, and the leg is a big fucking deal. But do you know, <laughs> I mean, did it, was it a punctured, collapsed lung, or what? do you know what, uh, what all he sustained? I don't know the specifics. They had to, since they couldn't get an airway, they had to put tubes into his lungs oh, okay. drawing a blank on me right now where they had to do that and cut his throat open for the like a tracheotomy tracheotomy yeah. there it is they're drawing a blank yeah and so a little tracheotomy so he was um they saved his life but he was he was in kind of bad shape i don't know i don't know where what all they did they just fixed a hole in his chest and they found yeah. the put a plate in his arm fixed all of it up and yeah patched him up so how how long did he was he on rest recovery rehab uh etc before you uh, got him back and and uh, you know could start doing things with him again. It seemed like quite a while. You know, we got back from the deployment and he was still in rehab down at Lackland. Yeah, yeah. So try not to like think about it too much. We're still working. Yeah, I know he's in good hands. Yeah, uh, I wish I would have went and saw him, but I ended up getting him. You know, as soon as he got back to the kennel. Yeah, went over and saw him as soon as I could. Yeah. Um, taking a couple steps back, so you mm-hmm. you got another dog. How how much longer were you there uh, with that new dog bronco uh, for can't remember maybe a yeah, month yeah something uh did how was that i guess you know i know all dogs are different was bronco a, a fairly seamless easy dog to pick up and start working with or was he i think i had issues yeah i don't think it was bronco's fault so we we definitely did we didn't do as well as me and cairo obviously mm-hmm. we made it work yeah. i would say it was on 
me not being a, a, as good of a handler. Bronco was a great dog, but uh, yeah. we still got it done. It just didn't feel as smooth as me and Cairo. You know, it's trying to it's yeah. trying to learn each other on. We just yeah. I just got you. Yeah. Bronco was a great great dog, but just me trying to learn his. Yeah. I mean, to me, it'd be like you jumping into another squadron, you know, one day you're with the one you're at and then jump in with there. Like you'll similarly, I think you'd still get it done, but it's not going to be as seamless as, as with the guys you've been working with exactly. day in, day out. Um, any, any stories that, uh, did you get any bites with Bronco? I didn't get any bites with Bronco. No, like I said, I don't think it was, I spent too much longer. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, at that point, so now you come back from that deployment, uh, did Bronco go to somebody else and then you got mm-hmm. Cairo back? Yep. Correct. Talk about that, uh, the reunion, the first time you saw him after uh, after he'd been injured and, and you finally got to see him again. I just run over to the kennel and let him out of the cage, and he jumped up and he liked to put his front paws in, into your arms. Yeah. And then he put his mouth, his mouth as close <laughs> to your face as he possibly could because he, I guess he knew he had terrible breath. <laughs> Periodontal disease, man. If there's yeah. one thing, I said, like, what's the worst thing about Cairo? It's like his breath. Yeah. His breath was terrible, so he'd jump up in my arms, and he would just be so happy breathing in my breathing yeah. in my face. And that's awesome. Oh, he was so happy, but it was good. I'm, I'm glad he could, he remembered me. Yeah, of course he did. But. Yeah, was he <laughs> physically fully recovered at that point, or was he still kind yeah. of? Yeah. The only thing I ever saw after that was a little hitch in his step. Yeah, yep. from the plate in his leg. And yeah, yeah, the plate in his leg. Yeah, but it wasn't. He, yeah. One, one thing on his breath, I, I, I guess I'm curious. Uh, are you guys dictated to what you feed uh, the dogs, or do you have any flexibility on that? Uh, the kennel chooses, and that's it. Yeah. And then they get the weed. That's where we get the food. Yeah. I'm not going to plug whoever, uh, whatever food they feed, but I know, like, for me, it, you know, getting mm-hmm. dogs in for a host of different clients, whether it's personal protection, police, military, fucking whatever, uh, you know, I, I get dogs that have been fed fucking everything, you know, and some dogs come in and their teeth are in rough goddamn shape, and some they're not. You know, so I, pay, I inherently pay attention taking care of, you know, 26 retired warrior dogs. Uh, mm-hmm. Similarly, like, you know, you've you've got to pay real close attention to that because that can create huge problems or not. And one of the things mm-hmm. that that I, you know, tend tend to be a little surprised by is, is that lack of uh, flexibility when it comes to, you know, maybe trying a different diet or feeding different things. I mean... You know, one of the things that I've seen in, in dogs coming, switching them to raw or a different food where they eat it different, uh, or if it doesn't have certain fillers or grains in it, uh, can make a big difference. But then also, I, I'll feed most most of my own personal dogs uh, frozen turkey necks a couple times a week, you know, and that helps oh, yeah. tremendously clean their fucking teeth. But uh, anyway, that's... I've learned that pretty yeah. recently it's not an easy thing to do is yeah you know, that roll diet's kind of hard to stay on top of but yeah because i mean to me you know one of the things that uh that you know all of us i think in the industry have to remind ourselves or, or sometimes you forget is that you know their their teeth just like with people are, are a window into the dog's health and can you know create huge problems if their teeth are fucked up but especially in a dog and that that's their their only weapon yeah you know so uh, if their fucking mouth is is off you know, that can, uh, you know, enormously hamstring their, their capability. Just, I don't know, food for thought. What is, I was just and curious. No, that's, yeah. Just like with you, your diet's important. Dog's yeah. diet's important. It's yeah. important for his teeth. Mm-hmm. He also was a, he had a pretty high pain tolerance. So yeah, sounds like it. Remember once we were probably doing some breaching or something, got him fired up. He was in the trailer kennel. He ended up getting his, trying to get out of the kennel, got his tooth stuck somewhere, and he broke a canine in half. Yeah. 
So I go and open the door and I see something laying on the floorboard. I pick it up and I thought it was like a toenail. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> I look at it and I'm like, no way. Yeah. I end up looking at it and you would have never known if I wouldn't have seen his teeth. Yeah. He's <laughs> cool. So I, I lift it up and he broken his canine in half. Yeah. And the whole way back to the vet, he didn't show any signs of pain. He didn't whimper. So you don't, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Until, well, the vet tech got back and for some reason he touched it. Cairo didn't love that so much. Yeah. That was like the one time he got a little pissed off. And I'm like, hey, dude, you, yeah. what, what, are you, what are you doing? You know, you, <laughs> why yeah. are you touching that? Yeah. <laughs> did, so they ended up having to cap it? I don't know exactly what he did. They didn't put the, the metal cap on or whatever. Hmm. But Yeah. They, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. They um, ended up fixing them up. It was just a little broken. So whatever you do. To, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Um, all right. So. You get reunited with him. Mm -hmm. Did you, uh, at that point, um, was it the big mish after that, or did you do any subsequent trips with him uh, overseas? We did a couple deployments together. As soon as I was back, I had to hand him over. It was kind of hard. It was good to be going back to being an assaulter. You know, having a dog is a big responsibility. If you're not utilizing the dog, you're kind of a babysitter. Yeah. Right? And not... Not all the time the dog needs to be utilized. So it's good to be back, you know, being an assaulter. Yeah. But it was hard giving him up. Mm-hmm. You, so you had to give him up to another handler? Or no. Just, he was going to be a spare dog. And the person that I was giving him to, I mean, everybody, every handler in the squadron was awesome. Yeah. He was staying in the squadron. Okay. And I knew that he was going to be well taken care of. I can go visit him. Yeah. I'd, I'd see him here and there. So it was hard to, you know, give him back, but I knew he was in real good hands. Yeah. It was good to be back to being an assaulter. Uh Ended up going to free, fast, free Fall Jump Master School out in Yuma. Which is everybody's wet dream. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was on a dive trip down in Florida, and I was loving it. It was so much fun. Uh, my team leader calls me on breakfast, and he's like, hey, man, I got good news. You and it was my, <clears throat> one of my best friends, Nick Check. You and Nick are going to Free Fall Jump Master. And I'm like, you know, I, I like a lot of the trips. I loved that trip. I was not happy. I was like, you know, I want to go to free fall to be, you know, build, you know, get that knowledge. Uh, but I really don't want to leave this trip right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I love so it. They broke the trip and sent oh, me. Like, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's, you know, you gotta go, you gotta get to fill that, you gotta get that check. Yeah. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to free fall jump master, left that awesome trip. I was like, all right, at least I'm here with my, like one of my best friends, even though he's kind of an asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Nick to death. At least I'm here with one of my best friends. Um, there for a couple of days. I think, what, what is it, a month? I didn't have a stand. I, I've never, I haven't been oh, to that. Okay. But. Well, about two, three days in, I get a call from my team leader. He's like, hey, man, check out of Freefall Jumpmaster. And go purchase a ticket, go turn into a rental car or something, or they had already purchased a ticket, and go get on a plane and come home, grab Cairo tomorrow morning and show up. I'm like, all right, this is weird, but cool. Something's happening. So I'm like, I go up to Nick. I'm like, hey, buddy, did you get the call? And he's like, mm mm. And that was really weird. He's like, Nick, he was way better than I was. I'm like, why am I getting called back and you're not getting called back? And he's like, oh, well, maybe it's just the dog thing. I'm like, well, then why wouldn't it be? Everybody's just a little weird. I'm like, so I'm like, all right. So you knew for sure it was something real. Well, no, no. I just, why are we getting called? You'd spin up on stuff all yeah. the time. You never yeah. know what's going on, but yeah. it was just weird to me. Like, 
you call me back when you're not calling him back. It's a little different. <clears throat> Show up. I'm just happy. I'm sure. I'm like, ha <laughs> I got out of the shit sandwich. <laughs> Good luck stuck here by yourself. <laughs> he ended up getting me back the next day. He, uh, well, actually, it was kind of a pain leaving the school. I guess I went to the guys running the course. I'm like, hey, I got to go. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I got to go. I got called by my, uh, my boss heading back. And he's like, well, you got to go talk to this person. I'm like, all right. I'll go to the building, and he's not there. You know, it wasn't. I didn't know what was going on, but I was like, I got to get back. I'm like, I don't have time for this. I think my flight was pretty quick. And I'm like, I just kind of took off. <clears throat> I was like, I told somebody there. I was like, hey, you just called this number. Call somebody. So I just kind of took off. Yeah. And then... uh Groaning. So once I get back, oh, he got me back the uh, the next day in class. The instructors, I guess, like where's or maybe it was the students. Like, hey, where's uh, where's your buddy at? And he's like, oh, he quit. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh man, oh, that's fucking that's good. good. You yeah. got you got me good, man. Awesome. <laughs> All right, so you go back. Uh, what was that like? Uh, that whole spinning up process. Like once you got back, did, I mean. You know, out of my curiosity, and then I have no doubt everybody else is. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that process of of going through that like step by step, you know, process of how that worked? I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first hand witness accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people real encounters so come with us on the journey into the unknown ufo chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps i'll see you soon yeah i would say what comes to mind is when i got back it was just a little different there was only a certain amount of guys so usually wasn't like it wasn't normal uh went into the conference room and nothing was really no detail was given it's kind of general. We're doing something. It's really cool. We were really busy, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff like this happened all the time. Obviously, something was going on, but uh, eventually, it took a little bit. The rumors kind of you know, came out. Hey, maybe we're going after UBL. I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be cool, but nothing official. Eventually, it was told to us what, what we were doing, and then obviously, it got really planned, and the people... Got to give a shout out to them that put in all the work, all the intel. People like, holy shit! Yeah, like wow. And so when, yeah. at, at that time, uh, like once it kind of was solidified what you were doing, whatever. Mm-hmm. How how locked down were you guys in that area? I mean, were you guys quarantined to to the base and you couldn't leave, or no? It was pretty normal yeah. normal circumstances. That seems odd to me, I guess, given the the nature of, of high, how you know high value of a or high how high profile of a mission that is that you know, like to me I'm I'm just surprised that that as a community they didn't lock you guys down and say you're not fucking leaving or talking to anybody until we go do this. And we're all professionals, right? We were told. Yeah. I mean, we weren't told what was happening for quite a while, anyways. Yeah. Everybody knew th- things were a little different, but yeah, something's happening. We, we were just spinning up on something new. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much time transpired from the time you got recalled until it actually until you actually went and did it? Do you do you recall? We had a while to train. Yeah, you know, a like, month or two. Yeah. Um, were you the only dog guy? I was the only dog guy. How how did that? Uh, do you have any idea how that that transpired? I mean, why why they picked you other than 
you're a good dog handler. I mean, <laughs> like, did you ever talk to anybody about that? One of the guys uh, was, like I said, we didn't know exactly what was going on. He had some stuff happening at home that he needed to be around for. Like I said, we spin up all the time on things. Mm-hmm. So he was just like, hey, I got to take care of some personal stuff. Um, like, not an issue. Cool. We flexible. We'll call back and Will from Freefall Jumpmaster. And I just got back from deployment. I guess the guys thought I was a pretty good handler, yeah, well, <laughs> enough to join the team. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say it's it's probably a fair assumption. Fair assumption. Um, so that's how, kind of how it happened. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, I'm curious. I mean, is the uh, is the guy that handed that off to you was he pretty bitter about that once he found out? Uh, I don't know. I don't ever bring that up. He's um, I love that guy. I don't. I don't bring it up. Yeah, he hasn't either. I mean, it's never. I don't want to talk. Uh, just yeah. in case. Yeah. I guess, you know, just trying to put myself in his shoes. Like, I wonder if that's something that... I wouldn't say he's a better handler than I was, so it would have worked out better. And we still got the job done. He was a great guy. But, yeah, yeah, I don't bring it up. Yeah, that's that's a tough one for sure. I bet, yeah. Um, All right, so obviously the the story in terms of, you know, the the process, you know, the the mission as itself, uh, you know, has been been told a, a number of times. In your words, from your perspective of what you can share, um, can you walk us through through the eyes of the canine handler, kind of how, how it went down? So like I said earlier, the most valuable tool on the dog is his nose. So <clears throat> once we landed, the, the rehearsals, the plan was the team leaders wanted me to do a couple of sweeps of the outside perimeter. <clears throat> so as soon as I got off the helicopter with Cairo, that was our first task was to do our initial sweeps. We did a couple. Can we take a, a couple steps back okay. from, from the time you left? Okay. Like you do all your rehearsals, you, mm-hmm. you load the, the bird, the initial birds to start your way over there. I'm curious, like from having never interviewed anybody yet, that's, that's actually been on that, uh, that mission. Was, was it, was there an element of, because of the, you can't help but realize the the gravity of who you're going after, right. right? You know, in terms of going through your mind, I noticed you you pretty casually skipped over that entire process. I mean, are you guys were you was the entire team that fucking dialed in and hardwired to where where it legitimately was like, yeah, I'm not. It's it's just another fucking mission. It's or, just another mission. Just who we're going after is different. Yeah. You better be if you if you're not that dialed in, you go away. Yeah. So I say I'm very fortunate to be there. I'm glad I was able to keep up with those guys. Yeah. So tough place to stay at if you're not operating you know so it's uh it was just business as usual and we were like that's why when the helicopter crashed nobody skipped a beat not even the helicopter pilots you know what i'm saying everybody just flowed and we made it work and the guys crushed it yeah yeah <laughs> i guess he was putting so much work that's our life yeah that's you yeah you know, it's it's impressive i mean it's impressive it's very impressive right. it, i mean it really is to you know, I mean, because to me, like there, there's a human element there that that I think is impossible to ignore. And mm-hmm. in having dealt with so many dogs over the years, and realizing that the conditioning process that you are talking about for all of us is that you know whether it's something as as simple and benign as going from a primary where you pull the trigger and nothing happens, and you transition to a secondary without thinking about it and doing it so many times to where that just takes place, and it's a reaction, not a decision. You know that that's how I view dog training. Is that you know a dog is is truly trained when the dog is reacting, not deciding. You know based on commands and what you're trying to get them to do. But mm-hmm. you know the, if you think about the level of human conditioning that has to take place 
for uh, for the group of you guys, given the gravity of the situation, to to treat that mission as though it's business as usual is truly remarkable. You know, because as somebody who sat as a senior in high school watching the Twin Towers and knowing that, you know, so many years fucking later after this elusive motherfucker has, has managed to evade us as a nation, dumping, you know, God knows how many billions of dollars and man hours and resources and assets and trying to find this guy to finally know where he's at and we're going to go fucking take him take him out it, it's still hard to imagine right. that not at least having some fucking impact oh, of course you know? it did but of course um, it did. But, but every time we go out it's dangerous right yeah. just the target is different yeah because nobody really expected to make it back either so we all made our made sure our affairs were in order you know what i'm saying Guys wrote letters to their families. Yeah, more so than normal. I'm more assuming. so than normal. So that was yeah. different. Who we yeah. were going after is different. Yeah. But as far as anything else, nothing was different. If you're, uh, we trained for more contingencies. Yeah, trained for a lot more contingencies. <clears throat> Who we were going after is different, and we we realized the gravity. But the reason why the guys didn't skip. So think about going <clears throat> from a near death helicopter crash, changing up the whole plan. The one contingency that we basically didn't come up with. <laughs> You guys didn't skip a beat. Yeah. It actually worked out in our favor, right? So to be that smart on your feet, you we trained so much and stuff like it's impressive. Those guys almost a near death experience going after the most wanted one of the most wanted people ever. Like so and they still you gotta be calm if they put in enough training, it didn't really even matter, right? You yeah. just conduct your business, like, okay, so this happened, so this happened, so this happened. Okay. We all knew that we would put in the training together. To like whatever happens, we're just going to kind of flow off each other, right? You know, just like you guys do, right? Yeah. Like I said, it, you know, it's it's truly remarkable Jeez. that uh, that that's that's even possible. Um, all right. So while you're flying over there, gravity of the situation seems to have you know less of an impact than I think most people would would think. But uh, so you land anything during the the trip over the infiltration, et cetera, that, uh, that didn't go as planned or that, that threw you off at all, or that, that, uh, was different than what you expected. I forgot to bring a chair. <laughs> <laughs> so you stood the whole time. Stood there. Oh no, I sat on the floor with Kyra yeah. between my legs and yeah. I, I got to sit there and stare at Rob the whole time. He was smart and brought a chair. Yeah. <laughs> like, but as far as anything else, no. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty uh, well, the helicopter, I guess they're helicopter. We didn't even know about the helicopter crash until we kind of made her happened so fast we were on our way around the side of the building and we saw the tail end i'm like huh that doesn't look right that doesn't look right he's like hey look he's got a helicopter just like ours <laughs> <laughs> what uh i mean i know there's been you know an investigation you know what what happened why it happened what what is your perspective on uh, on how it how it transpired uh, transpired and why as far as what part the the crash itself lost lift it was because of the walls and the just the yeah. the aerodynamics or lack thereof. I would assume that's what they said. Yeah. Those pilots are just man. That could have been a catastrophe, right? Yeah. Like think about where that could have gone. Oh yeah, I mean that could have ruined the whole thing for that know? guy to land it. And then not only that, he's like, "I'll fly the thing out of here." Yeah, that's how good those pilots are. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm like, all right, man, we'll just you know. It's okay. Yeah. We've got other plans, but those guys are awesome. And <laughs> like, yeah, I'll fly that thing out of here. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, okay, you did, you did good enough by saving our lives when that crash. Like, yeah. cool, man. <laughs> uh, in, in afterwards talking to some of the guys that were, that were on it then, 
did anybody get hurt or, or did they manage to control the, the crash uh, enough to, to keep guys from getting fucked up? If guys did, they didn't complain about it. I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure somebody got hurt. Yeah. But they, it, it didn't take anybody out of the fight. Yeah. Not that I no. Yeah. I think even during, like, there was a couple of gunfights on, you know, obviously. Yeah. I think some guys got, took some frag on that or something. Yeah. Nobody, nobody talks about it because it's not, nobody really got physically shot. Yeah. If guys hurt themselves, like either they thought it was a past injury or just yeah. kept it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, so so you land uh, back to kind of your your point of view. Uh, you land and, and your first uh, kind of role or responsibilities to sweep the outside. Uh, I'm assuming prior to guys entering, uh, if you could kind of walk us through uh, the mission as as it was seen through you and Cairo's eyes. Yeah, we did our duty <clears throat> on the outside. Uh, we found that helicopter tail. Yeah. <laughs> Once I felt confident with the sweeps, I started making my way to the inside. Um, found the main building, started doing sweeps on the first floor. Tried to, there was a lot of glass on the floor, I remember, so I was having to lift Cairo up quite often. And no, uh, no rough wear dog booties on that nah. one. Yeah. <laughs> Did our sweeps and then, uh, you know, obviously goes more into detail in the book and then made our way up to the second floor, did our sweeps, didn't find anything significant. And, you know, I was just doing thorough, thorough sweeps and, uh, I was on my way up to the third floor and the call was made that, Hey, we, we think we, I think I was talking to Rob and yeah. it's like, hey, I think I, I think I got it. Gives, it goes into like more detail for sure. But yeah, it's like, that was a great, great feeling. It's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was it, did it. Like, okay. Did it go from being surreal to being more of a real moment at that point? I guess point? at that moment, it's like, you know, he thinks we got him. I was like, okay, that's cool. It kind of like, gets me excited, but not too much. Still doing our job. Still just, I'm just focusing on the dog, just the dog looking for change of behavior, looking for explosives. <clears throat> we figured the house would be rigged to blow yeah. or there's going to be a some safe room, false wall. Something. Something, right. So I'm just focusing on him and then I hear... I think it was we talking to Rob. I said it first, and I was like, "Cool." So I just got that guy. And uh, then the call came over the radio, and then that that was like, "Okay, it was." It was official. It's like, yes, no, no matter what, whatever happens from this moment forward, like we we knew we we got. Him. Yeah. He was done. Even if we didn't make it back, it's like, okay, fuck yeah. Yeah. It's done. Yeah. Was there was it's there any done. any noise, or did you guys keep it composed? I'll let you read the book. It's, it's kind of embarrassing, honestly. Like, yeah. it's the first time I've ever done it, but I'll let you. It's it's a good uh, it's yeah. a good little we'll, thing. We'll save that it's, story. For it's it's thing. a good one. Yeah, it's a little. It's a, but it was a it was a great feeling. Let's just say that I've never yeah. done that before on target. We're we're professionals, right? Yeah, we're not there to celebrate and stuff. But well, that's a different story. It's though. a different story. Yeah. We'd get like I said, if, even if we didn't like we didn't know he wanted to die but we at least knew when we had him yeah right the yeah. mission was accomplished and now let's, let's get home let's get yeah. right. one thing i'm curious with and this is purely you know from the from the dog being used uh, aspect standpoint is there i mean with with that speed and, and fluidity of, of the unit moving through multiple levels <laughs> obviously the dog can't be everywhere at once you know That's, so yeah i mean is is there an element of yeah, having him there for for certain, you know, tactically valuable spots where it, it, you know, you almost have to have you know something checking to make sure that these choke points are are clear, et cetera, are what they are. But you know, in essence, 
you know, just kind of one one more shooter with with a dog with you going through in, in some areas at some point when you're taking it down that fast with that many guys and that many levels. Is that a, a safe assumption? Yeah, it's fast. Yeah. Especially we were on a little bit of a time crunch considering yeah. where, <clears throat> where we were. Yeah. It went the other. And when you're, you know, doing that many house runs, guys are pretty quick by yeah. then. So yeah. it was me on me just to, it was like I said, I was watching the dogs change of behavior and moving as fast paced as I can to try to catch Everybody had to do some sweeps. Mm-hmm. You know, I was told to conduct sweeps on the outside and then catch up with the team. Yeah. Were you by yourself? Did you have security with security, you? Security, for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, you got a swim buddy? Yeah. <laughs> with uh, what, What's typically your primary in that role? Are you are you with everybody else? Or are you doing MP5s or 7s or does it just depend? <laughs> I rolled with an MP5 for a while, and I got myself into an op where... Panned out it wasn't a good idea. <sighs> I thought it was kind of a good idea. Call it maybe laziness, and I didn't. I didn't just having that smaller signature of the gun. I didn't want the gun swinging down and hitting Cairo in the head, and it's just yeah. easier to kind of handle. But I was on one mission where it kind of bit me in the ass, and I was. Uh, it was a, a lesson learned that I I didn't had to reach out and get some people, and I feel like I was doing that with that platform. Yeah, if that makes sense. Uh, so I switched back to the four sixteen after that one. Yeah. What uh, yeah. I mean, do you have the flexibility to, to roll with like a three hundred blackout, like a, a small, like a cane break sig three hundred blackout uh, in, in an instance like that, or maybe certain guys? Yeah, I mean, is that something? I don't know. What's your take on that platform as a whole? Yeah, I don't know. I, w- I didn't really mess didn't with that mess platform with in sniper school. I got my sniper suite. Yeah, I try to perfect that platform as much as possible, and then you know we have so much stuff going on. I got to jump this and then now i gotta learn to dog so i didn't really get into once i didn't get into the different platforms once i progressed into my career yeah um all right so going through you're doing your sweeps you're doing your thing that comes over the radio we'll we'll save that juicy tidbit for (laughs) you assholes to read the book um from you said you're on a time crunch um was there kind of an internal hey we all we need to be fucking back on the bird at, at a certain time. And yeah, what, Headshed was keeping track. Keeping tabs. Yeah. Was there anything different in terms of uh, whether it's eyes in the sky or being monitored because it was obviously the president's fucking watching. Was there an element of that that, that made anything different for you guys? No. Not really. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so once once that's done, did you did you get to a point in the building where you actually went into the room where ubl was at or did you never get to see uh see that we'll save that for the book huh? <laughs> we gotta <laughs> gotta give the guy something you gotta give him something yeah, yeah no uh, uh the call was made uh i didn't need to go into the room yeah it was we were very busy we were very busy doing doing the rest of uh, what you were well, doing. i mean everybody's doing it's a really important job we're on a time crunch if i wasn't needed i was needed in other valuable places to do sweeps with explosive odor we did not know so i didn't and you know it, <clears throat> just because i want to go in there and see bin laden's room yeah if my teammate who i trust comes down and says hey man we don't need you in there it's kind of busy i'm like cool got it i'm, like, I'm gonna go make go find another job yeah do, do you know uh either through the actual timeline or or otherwise uh what, what the amount of time on target was no don't know you just knew what time you had to be out by. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, looking back on it, do you guys, do you know about how long you guys were there? Is it something you can share? Yeah, I don't even. I honestly don't even rem- yeah. remember. I mean, was it, it like my, my? It might be in one of the other guys' books. You know. Yeah. Read. 
I mean, I guess just thinking of it, ballpark was it ten minutes, an hour, a half hour, hour. Yeah. Was there any uh, indicator that uh, the gig was up in terms of outside forces? I know a lot of times, you know, there's blocking forces, whatever. Was was there an element to that where you guys had guys keeping an eye on the on the perimeter and making sure that the, the fucking cavalry wasn't on its For way? For sure, of course. And that was one of my responsibilities is uh, to get the dog out there to kind of de- deter people from getting too close. Was there kind of a crowd assembly at that point? It was a little bit of yeah. background, yeah. Did you get the impression, I guess, in that position that, uh, that the people around there knew that he was there, or do you think it was a fucking secret? Probably a secret. No shit. Yeah. It just They were just seeing what the fuck was going on, like, what the fuck? I think he was hiding pretty well in, in plain sight. Yeah. And the, the intel people who put in the work to find him did a real good job. Yeah. No, yeah, Jeez. I mean, the, depending on how accurate the movie is, uh, you <laughs> oh, know, it, know, it's... I'm sure it's close, uh, you know, or at least in the ballpark. It, uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable story for sure. I just um, watched it because Chris Pratt was in it. You know? <laughs> there, yeah. Oh my, yeah, yeah. And, I, you I, did I teach like, him how to handle a, a Velociraptor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I love that guy. I was like, I wasn't going to watch it. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. Maybe I yeah. watched it and just, yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. And then I was like, oh yeah, Chris Pratt's in it. And I'm yeah. like, all right, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a good fucker. He man. is a great guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he, yeah. I've only met him like maybe once or a couple times, but. Yeah. From what I can tell, he's a great man. Well, that just the the support he has for uh, for veterans, and you know, he does Murph most years, and right, uh, you know, just yeah. seems to be like a fucking good dude uh, that way. But uh, yeah, like you reach out, like give a shout out to the Brain Treatment Foundation the other yeah. day, trying to raise money. I'm like, thank yeah. you, I'm like that's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. That's a yeah. big deal. For sure, it is, uh, especially a guy at that level. You know, it's nice right. nice to see because most of them uh, don't don't seem to give much of a fuck, but. Yeah. Um, all right, so when as you're wrapping that up, um, you you still have certain responsibilities as you guys go. I know there was a ton of fucking intel taken off of uh, off of that. Just thinking of losing a fucking helo and now having to put everybody on one. How tight was that fucking ride back? And and what was it like <laughs> actually exfilling? It was awesome. It was tight. <laughs> I don't care. I guess the only thing that we really cared about was getting shot down. Yeah. But I just I put in my, I held Cairo. It was a tight fit. I held Cairo uh, in my lap the whole time. Uncomfortable. Yeah. How, <laughs> but it was great, man. Like, I didn't even care. Yeah. Other things like, hopefully you don't get shot down. Put it in my AirPods. And I just try to listen to music. Yeah. What were you listening relax. to? So here's a kind of funny story. So we had my Falco. I used to listen. I brought it. <clears throat> a lot of guys will read, you know, on the airplane or kill time. A lot of guys sleep. I'd sleep a lot too, but I'd listen to music and I'd listen to, it's a great day to be alive. Love my job. I'm surrounded by like some of the best people in the world, like yeah. doing good things. I used to listen to that song all the time. Who, who sings that? The Great Dave Travis Tritt. Oh, okay. Right? Are you a country guy? Life? Yeah, big yeah. country guy. Yeah. yeah. Texas, Southeast Texas. You? <clears throat> Not really, honestly. No? I mean, okay. I'm, from, I'm from Iowa originally. Oh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, for me, I've just never fucking gotten into it, you know? Uh, yeah, just uh, there, there's, for me, I guess I, I look at, uh, music more from like a, a motivational stand like I, mm-hmm. I love to listen to music working out or walking running you know or if i'm if i'm working you know you know doing shit outside or whatever I, I i always listen to music but it's usually like metal or hard rock or nice you know shit like that i usually but listen to your podcast is that right no i listen i do i do I <laughs> no listen to, yeah I, I try to oh, man, instead of awesome. listening to music yeah. every once in a while I listen yeah. to music. i'm trying to learn more yeah. my brain wasn't functioning there for quite a while yeah i feel like i was slacking so these days you know if i'm not reading i'm trying to put in a podcast yeah. oh that's fucking listen, awesome. yeah you learn some good stuff man that's you have awesome. a good 
But uh, so I'd listen to it. It's a great day to be alive, and I'd always, you know, yeah. Falco would always be there. Yeah. After he passed, it just couldn't listen to it, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. get me. I'm like, you know what? I just couldn't. I just skip it, skip it, skip it. Yeah. <clears throat> On that plane ride, it just happened to come up, and I was like, you know what? And it was, if I'm going to listen to that song at any point in my life, it's probably one of them. Yeah. And I told you, yeah, I had Cairo in my lap, listen to that song, and yeah. Yeah. It's good uh, stuff, man. In in trying to to put myself in your guys' shoes, I can't even begin to imagine what that feeling must have been like. And I, I get the it's even better being all packed in there on the way out after you successfully did it. You didn't lose any of your guys. You you smoked the fucking bad guy. You took a treasure trove of intel. I mean, if if you can try to put into words as you're lifting off, like looking at the compound, knowing what you guys just did, like how do, how do you even encapsulate that into into words? I mean, I really can't, man. Even the exfil was something out of a movie. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And just and then just see like how bad things could have turned out, and to sit there, I was just sitting on the wall watching this happen, and to watch these people operate at such a high level and make decisions like that it, and not even raise their tone of voice yeah just a hey man do this ended up making a call or like saved like a helicopter from possibly going down again it's like man just to watch that happen it was like something out of a movie yeah and then the helicopter comes in and picks us up and i can't even describe like yeah i guess the best way to describe it, when we arrived at the hangar and we walked in <laughs> what I felt personally was like we made it back and everybody's alive mm-hmm. like, and we got them like, we got them we're back and nobody died like yeah fuck yeah uh, yeah I mean it, like it gives me fucking again <laughs> right again chills just hearing about it. I, I can't yeah. can't even fucking fathom what that feeling must have been like to to go from being that high school senior and, and mm-hmm. knowing that impact Fast forward 20 fucking years, almost, or not 20, but a long goddamn time, 10 plus years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and all of the things that have transpired between 9-11 and, and when you guys got them. That was, was, what, 10, 10 years, 11 years? Um, it, you know, to me, it's just, it's it's such a a movie-like poetic justice of uh, of events that that transpired to to make all of that happen, and uh, it's just it's an honor to sit here, you know, with somebody that was on it, and and uh, you know have you have you share that story. It's it's fucking remarkable. It's an honor to be able to tell the story. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, I appreciate it very much. Um, I'm glad you. Thanks for having me too. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Sure. Um, I am curious from when you guys took off um, until you got back. How long of a fucking process, or how how long did that take from from lifting off to being back home the flight yeah it was a long flight home it was over an hour it was a good one and that uh and back home being you guys went back to bagram jabed okay and then from there did you guys go straight back to the united states or did you hang out there for for a bit it was fairly quick yeah um at that point we're like once you landed back the the hour our flight, uh, you get back. I mean, was there a sense of celebration at that point? Like, were guys <laughs> whooping it up? And I mean, if we're being honest, like, we all knew it was a big deal. And I was like, but I didn't. It was like, uh, it happened quick. We got back quick. When we landed, I guess, like, everybody was there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And it was, like, middle of the night. It was cool to see 
when the when the door opens, like, oh shit, everybody's here. Like, yeah, it's good to see the support. I'm like, of course, it's such a, a big deal. Just do you mean everybody from the command yeah. or even higher ups from there? No, just everybody from the command. Everybody yeah. that was basically that could be there. Yeah, it was cool to see everybody show up. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, it was a big moment. It was just yeah. nice to see the support. It was like, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah, see yeah, everybody when we got back. It was it was it was awesome. Yeah. Um, and then when you got back, uh, did, I mean, I mean, share, share or not share, please tell me if I can took something from there, but I don't care fucking rock something. I mean, we're so busy that I kind of wish I would have, but yeah, there's a lot of regrets I have. There's a lot of, but I have, uh, a lot of good memories. I was, I'm just happy to be able to be part of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm just happy to be around the group of guys that I was around Yeah, and, was, and to be able to participate on that just because I didn't happen to maybe grab something like, yeah. okay, fucking let it go, man. Yeah. Or like I have stuff from the op that I wore Yeah. and I have Cairo's vest. Well, I don't have Cairo's vest anymore. I, That's in the nine 11. I gave it to the nine 11. Yeah. At first I was kind of selfish. Yeah. <laughs> I was also not in a very good place, but uh, it's like, no, no, I want to keep this with my, somebody had kind of brought it up. And then I guess once I kind of, as time went by, I kind of realized like, Hey man, this is way bigger than you. Yeah. And it was good. It was also when I was talking to some of the people at the nine 11 museum, it's, it's awesome to hear. It's been so long that the kids these days don't even know about nine 11. So I was like, Oh man, I didn't realize that. Like, yeah. right. And then, um, the best way for them to kind of make that connection of what happened is, a. Uh, when they see like a fireman's helmet or their boots. So they asked me for being there. They said like, when you, when they see the dog's vest, that's kind of going to help make that connection of what's happening, you know? Yeah. And I thought that was awesome. I was like, man, it's, it's, it's an honor to be able to put something in the nine 11 museum. That's Cairo's yeah. part of history. And then to hear that it like can help. Like it didn't even, that, that didn't even click until he said it. And I was like, yeah, man, that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's really cool that it's there. I, I saw uh, the, the picture of it and it, uh, it looks really fucking badass. Um, they did a great job. Yeah. And it, it was just like another great thing to hear is like, man, that's awesome. That's, we're also doing like a, a young adult reader version of the book. Good. Because you know, like it was good to hear that it, like that connection is made through those certain elements. And yeah. it, I mean, who doesn't love dogs? Yeah. Some people don't, but children, you know, <laughs> yeah. most kids love dogs and if they yeah. can learn a little bit about the military by reading the book, then yeah. it makes me feel great. If you don't love dogs, you're fucked up. I mean, that's the reality. <laughs> Even the guys on the team that were allergic to dogs yeah. loved Cairo. Yeah. Like, they would still pet him. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So when you get back, what uh, what was your life like post-raid? Uh, post you make it back to the States. Uh, walk us through that, that initial fucking wave. It actually just kind of went back to normal. Really? Really. So did you, you went and finished Jumpmaster School? or <laughs> I did it. Uh, yeah no shit mm-hmm. yeah. not that one but i went to yeah yeah no shit i went and p- finished up my schooling that i need to um things were a little <clears throat> busy different after the first initial part but it died yeah. down fairly quick really quick and yeah. then it's like all right yeah and like nothing ever happened yeah wow and then, um and I, so for you career-wise what did uh-huh. you do after that i went back to being an assaulter and then in 2012 i ended up getting blown up it's another reason I'm, I guess I'm kind of glad I went back to being an assaulter. Uh, I took somebody threw a hand grenade out of a window. Somebody threw a hand grenade at me and it ended up hitting me in the, I guess in my ass. I took most of it in my ass. So I'm, I'm glad I didn't have Cairo. You know, what if, what if a piece of shrapnel would have hit him? Yeah. So 
But I, I went back to being a soldier after that, and I ended up getting blown up in 2012. And it was pretty much downhill from there. Um, extortion happened. That was rough, yeah. obviously. Um, all right, so when you got back, you went back to being a soldier. Uh-huh. What happened with Cairo at that point? Was he retired? We kept him as a spare dog, so okay. he stuck around. Did he do any, any more work after that? Yeah. Yeah. Were you his handler for that? Or I something? had my own stuff going on at the time. We had to separate. And oh, I had, okay. Yeah, you know, I had had some personal issues going on. Like I said, I'd, <clears throat> I wasn't doing so well. I had to attend a couple of courses, and then eventually I ended up getting blown up. There's a lot of booze, let's be honest. Let's yeah. put it out there, huh? And then after I got blown up, I think with you know losing my friends and. Were you were you on the mission? Uh, you said Nick was a good friend of yours. Were you mm-hmm. on that operation? Mm-hmm. No, no, I wasn't there. Yeah, um, I mean he was one of your closest friends. Were were you still active when that happened? Yeah, my hair flopped twice. It was after Nick died and after extortion. So I'm pretty sure it's like stress. Yeah, right. It's not too hard to figure out. That might be a little bit of stress. I think between that and all the explosions, and then you put booze on top of that. Too much. Bad like, you know, I'm not saying any, you shouldn't drink. If you want to drink, drink. For yeah. me personally, that's yeah. Guys were seeing it. Yeah. And, um, after the explosion is when it just like then some the migraines kicked in and, and then. Uh, uh, with this, with the grenade incident, uh-huh. um, was that so? You went back to the same squadron, just not being a dog handler, and, and went back to being a shooter. I did. Can you detail the the operation where the where the grenade happened? Yeah, it was a. It was my first actual op. <clears throat> back, like I had to, uh, I got in trouble. Had to serve my penance. <laughs> Did my time, and um, it was good to be back with the boys and trying to redeem myself and being an assaulter. I was happy. I was happy to be there. It sucked it in on Cairo, but it's just good to be back with the boys and being a soldier. And uh, but my first op back. We ended up making it to the target. I was called. I was told to help my friend go to a, a, a set-up location at a different spot. So we're on the side of the building. We didn't have much of a, a room. There's a little. Tr- it was a side of the building, a little bit of a walkway, some trees, a ditch, and then open field. I'm kind of stuck up against the side of the building. I, I was told to go to that different location. I wanted to wait for my, my teammate. So I just kind of pressed myself up against the building, let everybody go by and wait for my buddy. And we're going to move as I'm waiting for people to move by. One of the, uh, one of my, one of the operators stops and starts pretty much shooting directly up. And I'm like, all right, they must have heard something. They know we're here. As soon as he stops shooting, I move my way around him. I didn't want to hit him. I didn't want to miss his shots. I didn't want to interrupt his fire. So let him stop shooting and I move around him and I get out into the field to get a better angle with a couple of other teammates of mine. And then it gets fuzzy kind of. <laughs> I remember the grenade going off. I didn't go unconscious. Um, knocked me on my hands and knees. And it just gets kind of fuzzy. I thought I'd d- d- done certain things and then going back and talking to people just kind of gets fuzzy from there I kind of wandered off into a I remember wandering off into the, in the field but I didn't get take any cover so it rocked me it didn't knock me out but it rocked me I mean did, was there shrapnel buried in you I'm assuming yeah it got me like it was uh, 
most of it, like I said, I got two forced gump wounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It felt like someone hit me in the back with a baseball bat. So I'm like, yeah. all right, that's where the hurt, the really hurt. Took a bunch of my arm, my leg. And then what really made me nervous was that the, the shrapnel on my face was, you know, how your face can bleed, was causing me to bleed on my face. And I'm like, I knew the grenade blew up behind me and my back hurts, like really hurts. So that's obviously. But why the fuck is my face? Why the fuck is my face bleeding profusely? <laughs> as soon as I kind of come to and notice I'm not under any cover, I, I make my way to my guys. You know, I kind of remember somebody else going like, I'm hit. And I'm like, I'm hit too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get in line, fuck face. Uh, got me. And then the person taking care of me did an amazing job. He, the guys were still on the side of the target building. Unfortunately, since I took the shrapnel in my ass, I was face down, ass up on target. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And you know, I was a little reluctant at first. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, nah, man. Like, I was like, check my face. Like what's wrong with my face? He's like, dude, your face is fine. Yeah. I had like a through and through in my hand. We didn't even, I didn't even notice oh, no that shit. until way later. That wasn't even an issue. It was the back, and then so that was face down. Asked if he checked me out, stuffed some gauze into my holes, yeah. <laughs> my uh, grenade holes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got his fingers in my ass. Ah, what he got the, me? <laughs> uh, so it, w- was it all uh, grenade shrapnel, or were there other pieces of shrapnel of, of other material from the explosion, or do you know? I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. This is all grenade shrapnel. Okay. I got two other guys. I think it's actually more than that. The other guys just... God, one fucking grenade did that. Wow. It's like... It was a well-placed fucking grenade. You get lucky sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, So did that... Were you able to to finish uh, that operation, or did you get medevaced at that point? I got medevaced. And what... Were there two other guys that got medevaced also? One guy... No, we, we all got medevaced at the same time. We all went back and went into surgery together. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we, me and one guy flew out um, to Germany. For subsequent surgery? Yeah, we were pretty messed up. One guy thought he was okay. Tried to stay on deployment, but he it rocked him really bad, and he ended up having to, to kind of take it easy as well. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were any of the injuries uh, sustained from that? specific mission um, beyond shrapnel? I mean, did any of them do any significant damage, like life-debilitating damage? My lower back. Yeah. It's not life-debilitating. I can't complain. There's guys out there with way worse injuries than me, but if, I would say from the, the grenade injury, the, the, the head, but as far as, like, the head, obviously, like, the concussion, like, TBI, we can cover that. We can talk about that as much as you want. As far as, like, other hurts, my lower back. Yeah. A little here and there. Is there any shrapnel still in you from there? There's some, actually, yeah. Over here, there's a big chunk of my right butt cheek somewhere. Yeah. Most of it would eventually come out, and I'd sit there and pop it out in the shower. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is it not that painful? No. Not really? You, do you save it? I asked the doctors to save my uh, 
ass shrapnel. Yeah. <laughs> they just forgot. <laughs> they forgot. Or something. I don't yeah. know. It didn't happen. But I mean, the pieces that you pick out yourself, do you bother saving them or you throw them away? I don't think I still have them. I have a bunch of Cairo stuff yeah. I would keep as far as my own personal stuff. I, yeah. I kind of was slacking on it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when... Uh, when might, sorry to interrupt. I might have one piece, I think, still somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think I have one piece yeah. somewhere. Yeah. Make a fucking necklace out of it. That was one of the things Mike Day, when, when he's on here, because he <laughs> you know, was shot 27 fucking times. He's, he's got a couple of the bullets... Um, you know, the, I mean, you can see the rifling on one of one of the AK rounds. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. But yeah. he, made, he made a necklace out of it, which kind of yeah. neat. But that's cool. Um, anyway, so when you got back from that, um, I'm assuming that's where the Purple Heart came from. Uh, yeah, is is the the operation where your Silver Star originated from? Is that something that you've talked about already? It's that was the big mission. Okay. Um, when you came back, um, and you had a couple of surgeries, whatever, at that point, did you ever go back or was that the end of your operational career? I'd say after that, I went back and, um, I tried, <clears throat> I didn't feel I was safe. And luckily I had my team leaders and just all, all the guys were, okay. I know I keep saying it, but understandable. They're awesome. They took care of me. Yeah. So as soon as I got back, it was just, you know, it didn't happen immediately. I'm like, let's get back into it. And then the migraines, I think those were a lot of stress. Like obviously my hair fell out twice. I'm like, that's weird. But at the time, and that had happened before, right? So the, you know, losing people sucks. We just keep operating like, oh yeah, cool. Like big, huge, bald spots. And I, I talked to a couple guys in the team like, yeah, no, it's, it's normal. You get them. It's just alopecia. All right, check. Don't even think twice about it. I had a comb over. <laughs> it, awesome. I had a comb over until during like one of the like command meetings, somebody started poking my bald spot, and yeah. it's like, huh? Hey, wait, dude. I'm like, all right, I'm going. I usually had it shaved. I don't yeah. know. I just let it grow out. But oh man, going that segue. Uh, the hair fell out. What were we going with? Uh, the brain. I had understandable people taking care of me, so the migraines were really bad. So the hair was like the beginning of it. That's weird. Didn't stop us. We're still working. I love yeah. doing my job. It ain't stopping me. And then after the explosion, the the migraines were bad, and just things were different. Yeah. Sitting in, and I knew who I used to be, and I it, it, I busted my ass to get where I was. And we, you know, uh, gotta be fairly smart to do our job. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> I didn't feel like I was at that level anymore. I felt like I was a liability. <laughs> I yeah. Felt unsafe. I try to jump back in and it's just like with the migraines, what if I get a migraine on target like, or something? Was it just migraines or was there mm -hmm. like a cognition aspect where yeah. you just felt slower? hundred percent. My yeah. short-term memory and all that stuff. Like, so I would <clears throat> be sitting there looking at guys and even still to this day, I still have trouble with it, but I've gotten help here and there, but I would be sitting there and if I remember who I used to be and going through training, picking things up fairly quick. Um, I was looking at one of these guys. He was like, Running a trip, doing like he's getting his black belt in jujitsu. <laughs> he's about to be a team leader, taking care of a family. Like, you do like six things, and I couldn't run one trip. Like I, it, I did, I put it together, but it's like, what is going on here? It took me forever, and then I get the migraines, and I'm like, it's just, it was, it was frustrating. Yeah. And then luckily, my head shed was just awesome. They would, uh, Allow me to go home. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> I got another one, even even on training trips. Or even if I didn't, even if I was trying to suck it up, he would call me over and be like, hey, 
go home. All right. And it, was it at that point that you 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 made the decision? I, I got to fucking go do something else, or yeah. or did they? Make I had it? sat down with him. I think it was a hard decision, but yeah. I was like, "Hey, man," <clears throat> and he knew it. Yeah, it's time to move on to get help. Yeah. And so we started doing the, the Nico thing and. And, um, I know a couple other guys that have that have done that. Uh, actually, the guy that you just met uh, before we started here uh, has, has been through that and has told me a little bit about it. I, I haven't. Uh, it seems like one hell of a of a program that I wish all guys had access to. But uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I agree. I think everybody should get should probably go through before at some point, maybe um, to get a good baseline of where you're at or but, some kind of test. And then the actual facility was great. It was a big I didn't know what was going on. Um, for, for the listener, can you just kind of say what it is? I'm sorry. What NICO is? It's the National Intrepid Center of Excellence. It's up in Bethesda, Maryland. And basically, um, I didn't know really what my issue was, but it was a big group of amazing people, doctors, that we spent <clears> a <throat> month or two up there. I can't remember exactly how long it was. And <coughs> And the, uh, they, um, did they uncover anything in terms of you're like, holy shit, I didn't realize that. I was just trying out a whole bunch of different modalities. I think it was like, you know, they did some yoga, some dog therapy, different, different trying to, and then they just ran some tests on you to yeah. see kind of, they did, it's just there. You see different doctors. So you, you all go to one place with a bunch of good people. And so you don't have to like, it takes forever to go here and get a, go to Portsmouth to get this checkup. It was nice just to go to one place, one stop, shop. knock it all out. And they, they do such a good job there. They take care of you. You try all these modalities out because, you know, everybody's different. Something that works for me might not work for you, right? So it's like a, a gambit of things to try out. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say so going through all that, like, it might have helped. It was good to, to get the paperwork done to kind of see what's going on. Yeah. The people there were great. And I learned a few things, especially about breathing. So my first introduction into breathing. Yeah. I was like, okay, listen to that. They had a little omega wave, maybe, just to kind of get you into the right <clears throat> state through your breathing exercises, which I think is a huge deal. Yeah. So you learned a couple of different modalities, so that was very beneficial. Um, but getting out, it's, I mean, uh, was that, I was on a lot of meds. Was was that part of your just getting out process, or, or did that dictate the fact that you got out? I was trying to stay in. I was trying, okay. to, like, trying to see what was wrong and... Like, all right, what the, what's with the migraines? But then try to trade some different medication to get them to stop. I think it was just stress. Yeah. I think over time, I think I just needed to to calm down. My hair fell out twice. What was the <laughs> so calm down for a minute? Yeah. Were the results of of the NICO process? Uh, did that solidify your separating from the military? Yeah. It was, just, it, was yeah. it was time. Yeah. I knew something. Well, I mean, I was going to try still, but. I, yeah. I'd already accepted when that sit down with my team leader was like me. It was like, yeah, that was hard. Yeah. Did <laughs> but he, once I'd done that, right? was he frank with you in that case in terms of not a come to Jesus, but, but leveling with you and being like, look, man, I love you, but you're not yeah. the same. Like, is That's that, like, yeah. They talked to me before. Yeah. It wasn't the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So then we went and they put me through everything. I had multiple treatments, the ganglion, <clears throat> ganglion block a couple times. You ever heard that one? Mm-mm. Ganglion, ganglion block. Yeah, you no. stick a needle into your neck, into a bundle of nerves, and it. That, I don't quote me on this. <laughs> yeah. Um, on the record, basically, 
Um, it's supposed to help you with your autonomic nervous system. So it's supposed to shut down. What is it? So it's your fight or flight. It's supposed to shut down your fight to calm you down for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, basically, they stick a needle into your neck, into a bundle of nerves, and it's supposed to kind of hit. It's like a reset. Obviously, you can Google it and do some more research, but I thought that was beneficial. Um, I think some things wear off. <clears throat> yeah. I think it was very good. I think it was great. It helped me at the time to kind of calm down. True. Ended up getting it again, and um, I don't think it was as beneficial. Yeah. But it was, it's fine because there was other modalities I was trying. And then I went to NICO, and I started learning about breathing. It's been a long journey um, getting out. Yeah. So I'm going to go through that transition and getting out. I was in a bad place. Like I said, I think we were talking about this earlier. I got up to like 250 pounds and yeah. I was basically drinking myself to death. Yeah. What were you drinking? Was it a gamut of things? What you got? Yeah. Just whatever. Mostly booze. Just to yeah. try to kill a gallon of booze a night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably not too healthy. Where were you back where you grew up at this point? Like, or where, where were you? Like so, when I got when, out of the military. Yeah, when you initially separated, and then where where did you go from there physically? I took another job in Alabama. It was a terrible idea. I was not in the right headspace. <clears throat> I just wanted to work. I was like, I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> Which I guess is a, it's another one of my messages of like I thought it was fine, and if I look back at it, I was like, <laughs> no, yeah. I should not have taken that job. Yeah. I basically drank myself out of that job, uh, and then I self I went secluded, and then um. See, one of my best friends basically drank myself out of that job. <laughs> Wasn't doing great. I got like 250 pounds. Moved back in. I, was, I wanted to go back with my family, but I was, you know, staying at my mom's house and my dad's house. I just couldn't, was not functioning still properly. I'm like, something is off. I'd be like, this isn't funny. He's sitting there staring at the wall. I'm like, at my mom's house, like, what is going on? Like, you know, it's your brain. You can't put your finger on it. You just know something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, I used to work. I used to be a SEAL. And now I'm like, mm, I'm not doing so good. Yeah. Did uh, did the time before where you said you, you got into trouble and had to you came back as an assaulter without the dog and had to prove yourself, can you share that? Did that have anything to do with drinking too? Yeah, it was just drinking. Just drinking. Has that been something that uh, that has plagued you prior to that or was it? As the stressors of the job kind of wore on you, that you that you ended up turning to that a little bit as a deflection. I mean, we all, in the teams you drink. Some guys drink quite a bit. It's a good way to bond and build that camaraderie. We go out and have a good time. It wasn't that anymore. It was going from going out and having a good time to you needed it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So you you realize that you're in a bad place. That your mm-hmm. brain's not working quite right. Was there a turning point uh, that that you know turned you around that saved you a, a premonition a you know a come to Jesus essentially where you, where something snapped and you decided this is what I need to do or, or how did you get out of that? So over time, <clears throat> I um my one of my best friends Jared Shaw reached out to me and he told me about uh, the Brain Treatment Foundation and what they can do. Like, look at your hormones and then do some other modalities on brain treatment. There's multiple things that they do, but he's my best friend. I trust him. Is he a team guy also? Or? He is. Yeah. He's a good guy. Uh, I wasn't going to go anywhere. I didn't want to go in the beginning, but he was going. So I was like, he convinced me into going. I was like, Hey man, I'm going. I'm going to go by myself. I'm like, All right, I don't really want to go. 
I don't know why I was so reluctant. I don't know. I guess just after going through all the modalities, it's just like over and over and over again. It's like, eh, I just get kind of tired of trying new things maybe. Yeah. Especially the meds. I don't want to try med. That was like, uh, I don't want to do any more of that stuff. We're, I see a recurring theme with a, okay. lot, of, a lot of veterans with, uh, with opioids. Was that ever a problem for you? It was mostly the migraine medicine. and uh, I don't, It was mostly booze. Yeah. The, the opioids, not for me. But everybody has the thing. You know, some guys it is. It's a big problem. Yeah. For me, it was just drinking, and um, like I said, my my buddy, my best friend, convinced me to go, and uh, they took care of me. That was like kind of the first step into the right direction. Yeah. After Nico. Yeah. You know. What what time frame was this? So I got out, and <clears throat> I don't excuse me, I don't remember exactly how long I worked for what the you, company. When, when did you get out? Two thousand fifteen. I say. Yeah. And then, um, Maybe I had that job for about a year, a couple years. I don't know. It's fuzzy. And then I moved back to where my parents were. I wanted to spend time with my folks. Uh, I hadn't seen them in forever. Plus, I couldn't hold down a job. Yeah. Uh, but it was good to see them. Uh, eventually, I ended up moving out and uh, getting a place you know, my, on my own. But then as I was doing that, my friend reached out and... Uh, told me about it and I was reluctant eventually got me to go and then ever since then and then after doing that it's the first step and then learning about these different so like breathing I don't know if you do any of these breathing or meditating or yoga or a little bit um, I, I've messed with it a little bit I for mm-hmm. sure you know understand its benefits and, right. and uh, I, I think for me especially just the the I guess you'd call it a, a breathing in conjunction with meditation I don't do a lot of it but there's certainly times where I had a guest on just a couple episodes ago, uh, Akshay Nanavati, that you know is huge into. We'll just call it enlightenment, I guess. Um, you know, and, and that's one of his biggest recommendations slash challenges is is the stillness of your mind and how hard that is. You know, for everybody, but yes. especially some people. And I think you know the more driven and you know egotistically aggressive a lot of us are the harder it is to sit there and, and legitimately think of nothing you know it's almost fucking impossible and, and so practicing that you get better at it and it calms your mind which calms mm-hmm. everything else and so I, i'm certainly familiar enough with it to understand its benefits and, and have uh you know dipped my toe into that water a, l- a little bit but um was there any other programs or things that you did past that or was it mostly kind of self uh, exercising the, these different tactics? I'd say that was one of the main ones, and then just trying to stay consistent on yeah. as much as I know how much the breathing exercises help, and even if I just get out there and maybe. So the meditating wasn't for me. Yeah, I tried it, and, and then, okay, maybe I could have put in a little more work. <clears throat> just you know, like you said, you can't turn it off. Some guys try the float tank, and they get out in five minutes, and they're like. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Can't turn it off. Right? Yeah. They're like, no. I tried the meditating. And I was, uh, I heard about Wim Hof. So I did, it's like, all right, try it. Like, who climbed Everest in their shorts? Like, said something about his, <laughs> <laughs> who was this? He, yeah. he said something about his autonomic nervous system. And that clicked for me because why did my hair fall out? Why am I getting this shot in my neck? And like, what's going on? That had been brought up multiple times. Something's wrong with my autonomic nervous system. I hear him talk, and I, after hearing that he climbed Everest or so I'm like, I'll pay attention a little bit. I was willing to try anything. Plus, 
you know, it all kind of just kind of starts to come together after thinking about it now. Like they introduced me to breathing in NICO mm-hmm. with that thing and trying to control your mental state. Different people are going to pick up <clears throat> these modalities in different ways, right? Maybe you think it's bullshit, right? I tell people about certain things. You think it's snake oil. Like, it's just, no, I'm not trying that. You want me to, I'm a Navy SEAL. I'm going to, you want me to go breathe and meditate and do some yoga and I'm good. Right. But, um, it's not true. And I guess maybe like even intermittent fasting, one of my, one of a very good friend of mine, I can specifically remember him telling me, man, like you ever tried doing this? It was basically intermittent fasting blew him off. And I was like, well, I respected him so much. Like, why did I not, why did I not list? Like try it. Yeah. I guess the message doesn't always come across, but eventually I started picking up these things and so these different modalities you can try, <clears throat> try for, give it a good shot. And if it doesn't work, well, I mean, there's plenty of them out there. My thing was like self secluding and not reaching out for help. I thought I was in a good place. I should have reached out for help. And I'm glad my buddy reached out. Yeah. What, what is your diet like? Nowadays, it's yeah. not great. Let's yeah. be honest. I put on the Corona 20. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking great. Um, oh, man. Yeah, there's the freshman 15. There's what? the Corona 20. <laughs> uh, the older it's, you are, the, the, the higher that number is, right? Um, no, no, but it's like I, I'm... I'm Trying to eat better diet is a huge part. Well, that's the thing. I've had a lot of guests on here, uh, you know, with both that are diet experts or nutritionists that, you know, stillness of mind folks, uh, people that have been through a lot of shit. And and there's a a recurring theme with gut health translating to to everything else. Now, will it fix every single fucking problem you have? No, Mm -mm. not necessarily, but it might. Uh, But more importantly is that it's at least going to give you the best shot at making as good a recovery as you as an individual can make if, you know, no different than if you buy a fucking Lamborghini and you put, you know, 89 octane with some sugar mixed in, like it's going to run like shit no matter how good of a a driver you are, no matter how good of care you take care of it in every other way. It's got great tires, perfect conditions, phenomenal driver, you know, all of the the mechanical systems are are functioning perfectly, but you're putting shit fuel in it, it's going to run like shit, and your body's the exact same way. And especially when it comes to guys, you know, that that have, you know, TBI and and other, you know, sympathetically detonated issues as it relates to either their mind or their CNS or a bundle of nerves here or there or whatever that have sustained external damage – to me, like that, that's an intangible that, that you can control, you know, is, is what you're, you're supplying these systems with the ability to, to, to heal and rehabilitate and whatever. And, you know, by cutting out sugar, vegetable oils, complex carbohydrates, uh, insoluble fiber, you know, things that, that inherently fuck you up and, and hinder or hamper your ability to rehabilitate and, and repair your, your body's ability to repair itself. Like, fuck why not take advantage of that you know so food for thought for what it's worth again it just you know this certainly isn't my fucking idea it's it's you know a couple of years of bringing some pretty interesting way smarter than me motherfuckers on this show that that i see a pattern of of it all it all comes back to you know by by at least maximizing your gut health and, and feeding your body as good as you can uh, which even that, you know, is, is a little subjective. I mean, and, and there's 10 people with 11 different opinions as to what the right way to do that is. Mm-hmm. But uh, but to me, that that's something that, again, like that that you have control over, and, and I think it, it'd serve you well. But So I think uh, I think everybody's different. Yeah. I think you should just try different modalities. Maybe somebody, 
different diet. I think if you cut out bright sugar, that'll be a huge step in the right directions. Even cutting out one thing like Coke. I don't drink. I try not to drink too much Coke. Yeah. Just water all day. But I think that's kind of like why I'm, well, I'm telling Cairo's story. This is like not what we're used to doing is telling stories like this. Uh, the reasons why I'm doing it is, well, number one, we're a piece of history. Cairo yeah. was great. I, I, I can talk about Cairo all day long. You want to talk about me? Well, there's better men to talk about, I feel, in the teams. I worked my ass off to get where I was. There's other guys that are great. I can talk about Cairo. If I can tell his story and bring attention to working dogs and what they can do, all working dogs, yeah. and dogs in general, even your dog at home, yeah, bring attention to what they can do. And then if you want to talk about brain health, yeah. and guys, like, if you're having a trouble, if you're having trouble, like, reach out or just to like maybe bring attention to some of these modalities even if guys have tried them yeah keep reaching out try different things try like because it's like well, i heard it before and i just blew it off yeah. but then eventually it's like i heard it in the right context and i tried it and it's like huh well i think you know going back to your you know wanting to, to focus on and highlight cairo is is important but to me i think it's equally as important for both you and everybody to understand that you know cairo isn't cairo without you handling him either i know you know, and, and so you play an, an integral, necessary, and, and uh, irremovable role from from that equation. And I think, you know, it, it's such an important component to understand what guys like you put themselves through and, and the sacrifices that that you guys make to uh, to have this type of story. And I, I think it's it's every bit as important to uh, to tell your story in conjunction with his because again, it's it's inseparable. Uh, I agree. But with that reminder, back to Cairo real quick. Uh, yeah. During the time, from the time when you got out, was he still at the command? And, and tell tell his story from the time you you separated from the Navy until uh, until present. Um, he uh, it was kind of the same time. I think I was. Let me see. I mean, did he retire was, about the same time you? you it was got about. I, I had him the year about. A, I had him for about a year and. I was still in, so I was still going through my issues, and then. So you had him as the, a retired dog while you were going through all that. Yeah, and it was like it was right there towards the end of my career, so I was going through all my medical issues. It was really good, beneficial for me to get him. Yeah. Home, obviously. Yeah. I knew that he was being taken care of, but it was like he was getting around that age. It's time for him to retire. You and know having how old he was at that time? Ten. Nine, nine, and uh, getting him home was a beneficial for me. Yeah. Like I said dogs great just having i have nala right here she's always with me yeah to help i don't know no it's huge for sure um at, at that point so you had him as you're going through when did when did he start to to kind of take a downturn uh physically and and what have you it seemed to be fairly quick started seeing start throwing up and brought him in a few times and they uh couldn't find anything wrong um Eventually, he just got worse and worse. The throwing up, he just kept throwing up worse and worse. And um, I was on a trip doing an internship at a buddy's house. Another one of my very good friends. Kyra really had some trouble. I took him to like just too much. It was like, all right, this is time. He started getting worse and worse and worse. And the mother, like he did something. It was like, okay, it's time. We took him into the local vet and. uh, he ended up finding, he had to cut him open, finding some internal issues that were wrong, and then uh, 
fixed it. I guess one of his spleen had flipped over his stomach. Try to fix that issue. Get him patched up. We ended up making our way back to Virginia Beach. I went and did another trip to another buddy of mine uh, to his facility. His name is Josh Morton. I don't know if you know him. Mm -hmm. I went and visited him. Great guy. He's got a great place up there. But after the surgery, I was basically just babysitting Cairo. I'm like, you know, I just, I didn't stay long. I said, sorry, buddy, I got to go. I got to take care of him. Because he was just, it wasn't, obviously something was rough. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Before Sarah discovered ChumbaCasino.com, she enjoyed chamomile tea. Come on, big jackpot. And being in PJs by six. Let's go. The new fun Sarah. Woo! Often thinks about the old boring Sarah yes. and wonders if that Sarah ever really existed. Chumba Casino has over a hundred casino style games. So join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. No purchase necessary. We were created by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drove home as fast as I could. Um, take Took him into a vet that we use in Virginia. And, and, and to say, uh, the vet in Colorado didn't charge a dime for the surgery. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Did he know what dog that was? He didn't even no know. Shit. He just knew he was a working dog. Yeah. That's how good of a man he is. Like, wow. That's cool. That's awesome. Shout out to that guy. Do you remember his name? Oh, man. I said my memory bad. It's been so long. I do know his name. I can see his face clear as day. I saw him. Do you remember what, what the vet, uh, I mean, what city it was in or what vet clinic it was? Uh, I'll just make sure it's okay to shout him yeah. out, too. Um, yeah. And it's okay with my friend as well. Sure. Uh, Anyways, getting up, getting back to Virginia, getting the vet we use. They didn't like what they saw. And this goes, there's a, actually another kind of story that goes into this in the book, and I'll keep referring back to the book. But he wasn't going to get seen at first, and he, ended up, he ends up getting seen. And the guy cut him open again. He was like, I need, I need to cut him open. I'm like, man, he just got cut open. He ended up cutting him open again, and he just had cancer. He wasn't going to. They tried, they did what they could, but it's too far. So yeah. we got him home and kept him comfortable. Kept him comfortable. Uh, how, how, uh, what, what amount of time transpired from the time you got him home until he ended up passing away? Not, not very long. It was uh, a few days. Yeah, a few days. Actually, yeah, it was just a couple of days. It was my birthday. I think after surgery, it, was, it wasn't just a few days. One of those days I spent right beside him. But, uh, so at that point, um, 
when he did pass? I mean, how? I mean, it's safe to ascertain how you handled it, but how, how did you handle that? Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. Is there any anything that any processing that you went through? Is there anything that you did for him? Uh, remembrance, memorialized, any, anything like that, or? I still have his wall. I got to put his vest in the 9/11 museum. That's awesome. Yeah. I could still have his ashes, yeah. and I carry them quite a bit. I used to fly with them. And I stopped because the TSA eventually might turn out bad, you know. Yeah. they got to check it every time. I, I do a lot of driving because I, I have more miles, and I don't usually go anywhere without them. Yeah. So I drive most places, and I'll, I'll, I'll grab them yeah. sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I don't have a special place for them in my house, though. Yeah. For him and a couple of the other guys, Nick and... Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um so where where are you at now, and and kind of now what for you? Or let me, let me take one step back before that. In deciding to write the book, yeah. um, you've you've touched on it a little bit already as to as to the why, and I, I could not agree more. Yeah. Was there any other um, kind of re, you know reason or or purpose that that you found? A calling to as it relates to, to writing a book or wanting to yeah, do it? Yeah, to give back. Like I was out of the fight for a while. I guess Cairo's name was out there. I saw some stuff that just wasn't true. Right? It was a piece of history. People are going to read this. And uh, I read books joining the teams. You know, you did the same. This is to bring attention to the piece of history, other people. If I'm going to take that responsibility of being this person telling Cairo's story, like you said, I'm part of the team. I can't just make it all about Cairo. Well, I can tell my story as well. And, yeah, I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but I'm It's just I'm glad to be feeling better. Yeah. I, I'm glad you are too. I mean, the, the amount of shit that you've been through and, and the, the role that you've played in our nation's history is, is significant. Uh, you know, and to me, all, all of you guys, my hat's off to you, and, and I want nothing but the best uh, for all you guys, you know. So I'm, I'm really glad to see you're in a much better place, even though I, I didn't know you before or during the, the <laughs> shitty time. Chicken, I, you, you, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm part of the community, of guys, and, yeah, and uh, you know, so it, it pains me to see any of our guys in, in bad spots. So I'm, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and there's a lot of good people out there to, that yeah. that can help. Yeah. So I'm like, if I can reach some people, well, I want to bring awareness to all these reasons. And if I can use that yeah. platform to help veterans then let's do this. Yeah. Like that's motivation. I was out of the fight for a long time. Yeah. Get back in it. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, and I mean, if you don't, it's a piece of history. I, it's like a Marlin, a Navy seal Marley in me is the best yeah. way to look at it. Like, yeah. like good luck. I, I dare you to try to read the book and not cry. Yeah. Like it's a great story. It's a piece of history. And if I can use that to help other veterans, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm going to go sit on my ass or go get a job at somewhere else. Like, yeah. how about yeah. get back in it? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I, I did want to ask in terms of your parents, what, what does your mm -hmm. parents take on all of this in terms of you being a part of that? And I mean, I, I can't imagine any parent not being almost unreasonably proud of, of their son, you know, but have, have you guys had any heart to heart conversations or, you know, what, what has their perspective on all of this, both, you know, what you did operation wise, time in the teams, writing the book, where you're at now, kind of, you know, what, what's their perspective on it? Their, I don't know. We didn't say much. I told my, I would call him every once in a while I was in the team, so we didn't really talk it and tell him what was going on. Maybe more than my father, my father more. My mom is hard of hearing, so I can't just exactly call her yeah. easily. I, I mostly just would text her because that's the best way to obviously communicate with yeah. her. Uh, and I didn't want to worry her either, yeah. you know. So I would send her texts. I didn't want to tell her what was going on. 
didn't need her freaking out. So I gave her like a little gist, but the communication definitely sucked. Yeah. Nowadays, like they're going to see this podcast and they're, they, we haven't really, they're going to learn some stuff that they didn't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. that'll be uh, be interesting. Maybe we'll get them on here, right? <laughs> be interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, I tell my dad and stuff, but I, I, <laughs> we don't talk about a lot of things. I would tell him, you know, going on deployment. I wouldn't tell him exactly, but tell, yeah. tell him when things are getting a little dangerous. and call him, but I'd tell him what I could. Yeah. And then these days, like, you know, we don't have heart to hearts about, they could see that I was hurting, obviously, but we didn't have, like, a heart to heart about everything. Yeah. So. Have uh, have they read the book? They were in the process of yeah. it. I'm looking forward to reading it uh, as as it just came out uh, here this week, uh, and given the circumstances of the logistics of not being able to get one, uh, kind of hampered my ability to interview you on it a little bit. But uh, but I, I for sure am, am going to read it and looking forward to it. Um, the book again is called No Ordinary Dog, um, you know, and I, I really, you know, I have a, a number of guests here on that that have books and, and, uh, you know, we, we go through them and talk about them and, and the guests that come on with the book, they come on for a reason because they have a remarkable story and, and an interesting book that's worth picking up. Uh, not only is this not an exception, uh, I would say it, it further exemplifies, uh, you know, that type of scenario where, um, you know, one of the benefits to me not reading the book and, and going through some of it is there's a lot of it in the book that, you know, that we didn't cover on this podcast that, that I think you guys would uh, would really enjoy just you know knowing the type of guy that Will is and and him alluding to some of the details in the book, um, it, it's for sure worth getting. Is there anything you want to want to talk to that? I don't mean to be so vague. We already had this no, conversation. No. It's like everything yeah. in that book tells. It does, I mean, Joe working with Joe Layden was amazing. Everybody on that team. Yeah. We put together a great book, and it's you know it was approved. It went through with the approval process, so we're not. Yeah giving away any secrets, but you get a lot of information out of it that that's allowed to be given. Yeah. You know, and my, my brain still, I'm still in the process of fixing myself. You know, I'm in, I'm in not in a great spot. I'm happy to launch my dog's book and I'm excited to hopefully help some people out. That yeah. is great. I'm super excited, but I'm still <clears> going <throat> through my own things. There's multiple courses that I want to go to that I'm still, that are on the horizon. Yeah. I can't wait to try. Yeah. Right. In terms of writing the book and, mm-hmm. and how that's received, I know especially from from Dev Group as a command, you know, there's been a, a handful of guys that have written books that, you know, some are well received, some are not. Um, what what is your take as one of those guys in terms of, you know, Rob and and Mark, in air quotes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, th- those two books specifically, I guess what like like what is the deal with that uh, in terms of the, kind of the inner strife that. Uh, that goes along with that and then how that's kind of viewed from from the command's perspective can you talk to that the way i look at it is i got to work with both of those guys and they were above me when i was in they were both great operators i, I looked up to them um i know there's going to be some people that are probably upset that i'm writing a book i think if i'm, I'm just trying to do it the right way keep it about the dog I've, i'm trying to go about this the right way yeah and then using it to help other guys i hope yeah. that they understand that yeah I don't know how you couldn't, honestly. I mean, you know, again, if you look at the light that you're trying to bring, just that in conjunction with, uh, you know, the the benchmark or the, the principal bedrock of of what, you know, any service member is, is putting their life on the line to mm-hmm. protect is what the freedom of speech, you know, is, is a bedrock principle of this nation. And, you know, to me, if you're not... 
you know, divulging capabilities and, and compromising, you know, a unit's ability to operate. Yes, obviously that is a problem, and, and I, I understand uh, wanting to be careful about that, but, I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, you went about it the right way. It was approved, scrubbed by probably fucking 12 different people in, in nine different offices. It took quite a while. Yeah, I don't doubt it. Cool. You know, so, so it's done right. yeah. um, you know, to me, I, I don't know how you can have a problem with that. Yeah, uh, but, everybody went through it, and yeah. they approved it, so we're good with it. Yeah, no, it's good, good shit. Um, anything else that you want to share as we uh, wrap up here? That's it. I really hope you all enjoy the book. I hope I did cut out right. I hope it brings attention to other what, what the canines can do. Um, and, uh, I hope I can help other guys. I mean, that's basically my thing here. Yeah. And I appreciate you having me on. And I, I appreciate you coming on. I know some of the some of the things we've talked about are, are tough subjects. They're they're hard to go through and, and equally as hard to, to talk about and uh, I applaud your ability to to do so in such a composed manner, and that uh, you know that's not easy to talk about some of those things, and and I, I know that that some of them make you a little uncomfortable, but I, I appreciate you walking us through there. And I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so thank you, uh, thank you again for coming. Uh, where can people find the book? Uh, Amazon. Amazon. Right now, the coronavirus is kind of you know I've, you know. Yeah. I hope everybody is out there is doing well. I know people are going through some rough times, but yeah. we'll get through it. I guess it's another message. So everybody yeah. stay strong. Right now it's Amazon. It's in bookstores, but I know people are staying at home. Yeah. Um, Has it, it's, it's not actually started shipping yet from Amazon, right? Is that correct? It's or people it? are getting their coffees. Okay. I know it just started what yesterday, but some people were saying that, uh, you know, they were scheduled to get theirs this weekend or, you know, tomorrow or Saturday or whatever. So, I know it's been a little slow to roll out as well as uh, Mark with St. Martin's, you bastard, uh, not sending me a fucking copy ahead of time. <laughs> this, is, this, this is, I mean, they're in, this is like the virus is a new thing, right? That's, yeah. Well, I'm still going to slap, slap Mark yeah. in, his, in his nutsack <laughs> for not sending one. But, uh, it's all good. We're making it work, though, man. It's like yeah. I hope, Adapt and overcome. Like adapt everything. and overcome. I hope people just go on Amazon. I hope you really yeah. enjoy the book. If you can yeah. read it without crying, yeah. good job. Like. I, well, so there's a couple of things. I mean, there, there's un, undoubtedly, you know, a couple hundred thousand people that, that will hear this. Every single one of you ought to go out and buy that fucking book. You know, like, I um, hope he doesn't mind me telling. I was talking to a guy on the phone. He lost a couple of friends in 9-11. He called me like sobbing. From reading the book? Yeah. Yeah. I have no doubt. I mean, I, I wish I had, had had the opportunity to read it prior to this, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, I'm, I'm looking well, well, damn forward to uh, to reading it. I have no doubt I'll get choked up if uh, you know. There's a, there's been a, a number of dog books that have done that to yeah. me, uh, but at any rate, um, can't thank you enough for coming on. For those of you listening, thank you for tuning in. Uh, more importantly, go buy this book, No Ordinary Dog. Uh, I promise, uh, even having not read it, uh, you won't be let down. Uh, the man sitting to my right, uh, again, is a patriot of the highest magnitude, and, and we all owe him a huge debt of gratitude, even though he would try to argue otherwise. Um, you know, the amount of shit that you've been through on behalf of this great nation is uh, is nothing shy of, of just downright fucking impressive. And uh, and I thank my lucky stars that, uh, that guys like you and, and the guys that you were with on that day do uh, and continue to do what you guys do. So... Uh, thank you from uh, from the bottom of my heart and, and on behalf of everybody listening. I mean, it was it was my pleasure. It was an honor, and thank you as well. I mean, yeah, you're, you know the deal. But 
Uh, as we wrap up here, I want to take a quick minute to thank our sponsor again, uh, Jocko Fuel and Origin Labs for the uh, the products, uh, as well as uh, TeamDog.Pet, Tricos.com uh, for all the stuff that I have going on, as well as a quick reminder to, if you're listening, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, subscribe to my channel. Um, and if you're listening on iTunes, subscribe as well as leave a fucking review. All right. Uh, it helps me out by doing so. So uh, just go ahead and do that uh, while you're choking yourself. Um, thanks again uh, to Will for coming on and sharing his story and Nala for being such a good girl sitting there quiet as a six month old pup. That's she impressive. Yeah, she did nice. awesome. Uh, six months old and she's been sitting here by his side the whole fucking time so. yeah I also read the audio book and she sat the whole the yeah. whole way through oh it's awesome yeah it's she's amazing. been doing good it's amazing uh, more important not more importantly uh, last but certainly not least uh, you the listener uh, I can't thank you guys enough no bullshit for tuning in uh, to hear amazing stories such as Will's and, uh, and going out and picking his book up wink wink and I uh, appreciate all your guys' support. Look forward to uh, bringing you more episodes down the pipe here. Uh, and until next time, this is Mike Drop. I'm Nick, the host of the UFO Chronicles podcast, with first-hand witnessed accounts of the strange and unexplained, covering UFOs, cryptids, conspiracies, and the paranormal. Real people, real encounters. So come with us on the journey into the unknown. UFO Chronicles podcast is available to listen to on all apps. I'll see you soon. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.